Thank you for joining us on our journey here to preserve the history of mixed martial arts. When I wanted to take on this project, I needed help. I brought in one of my favorite matchmakers, Miguel Iterate, and the MMA detective, Mike Davis. So to do this, we've been able to preserve history. Welcome and enjoy. Lights out, podcast fans. Hello out there in podcast land, lights out land, wherever you may be. Joining us again, MMA detective Mike Davis. I'm Miguel Dorati. That means we got a deep dive coming up. Chris Lytle getting ready to join us along with our very special guest, Mike. We got a man that hails from Georgia, and it's not Dusty Rhodes. We're looking at uh, Forrest Griffin. When you look at the totality of his career, obviously everybody knows who he is. If you had to rank significant fights in the UFC, Hoist Gracie, UFC 1, obviously his performance there takes the top spot. There is no better argument for number two than Griffin Bonner. And this is us getting the other half of um, you know, that matchup, you know, the match and rematch. Um, we're going to be concentrating on pre-UFC. We will not do any UFC questions in this and it's going to be a real fun walk looking forward to it you know Forrest is one of those guys that he, he you know like it love him not whatever he trends that he had his moment where he was one of the biggest stars in MMA on the planet and uh just being able to pin him down for this is kind of cool for us I think so I'm really psyched to get get to know uh Forrest Griffin here so we got this by way of one of the people that listens, a guy that, I mean, we've all talked to in the past, you know, part of this podcast ever happening. Uh, he goes by Frank is cool on MMA.tv, otherwise known as Frank Bishop. He was an early training partner and manager of Forrest uh, prior to Forrest, uh, you know, needing some you know, legit star-studded management with a deep roster. So uh, Frank Bishop was real instrumental in this. I talked to several other people from Forrest's life. Maybe they kind of knew him peripherally, but they were there at some of the points that we're going to be talking about. And, um, man, we, we, we're going super micro on this. It's going to be a fun one. Where are you going to be, Mike? My man, April 8th, south side mm -hmm. of Chicago, uh, Bourbon Street Bar, um, Ignite FC. I do the play-by-play -play with them. And the following weekend, I am April 16th in Orlando, Florida, Abu Dhabi Jiu-Jitsu Pro. I am hosting that Jiu-Jitsu tournament. Please register through Smooth Comp. And then a weekend after that, I'm in Minnesota, and I will have that information very soon. So I've got a pretty busy April, and please come out. Um, it's always nice, you know, putting uh, a face to the name of the people commenting on our YouTube post. Um, like, share, subscribe really helps us out it's kind of like giving us a tip um spotify has got a new rating system you're going to have to find it please give us five stars it helps us in their algorithm and do the reviews on itunes have been coming in miguel actually you know no ball busting the last few so that's always good <laughs> yeah, that, that is good that's good I, I do appreciate everybody's participation we're getting a lot of good feedback you know negative feedback very little too far between so uh we must be doing something okay thank you very much for the support and thank you forrest griffin for the next couple hours 
Okay, welcome back, everybody. Thank you once again. Another fantastic deep dive. It's what we do, bring our favorite fighters here, and, and let's hear their story. We got a special treat here for you guys. Very happy for this one. Have you guys ever heard of something called The Ultimate Fighter? Great series. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, um, or, or if not, you know, you're not listening to this. But anyway, one of the guys who really, in many ways, made the UFC what it is today. Everybody knows the the story the UFC gets on the ultimate fighter. We start that and the final fight. Um, this is one half of the final fight that made that story that, that blow up. And then in, in, in essence, the sport blow up. Um, good to have you for us. How the hell you been brother? I'm good, man. I'm good. No complaints. Just hanging out in Vegas. This is the perfect temperature here. So this is that brief. We get like two months a year where the temperature is good. This is one of those two months. Yeah, it's, it's like that here in Indy, too. It's like negative uh, eight or something. So it's <laughs> nah, it's, it's getting warmer right now. It's not too bad. But, man, um, you know, like I said, good to have you. Uh, what you've uh, contributed to uh, our sport is uh, we can't even really uh, talk about how much it is. But anyway, um, what I like to talk about at the beginning, I like to go over, you know, you were obviously a fighter that got on the Ultimate Fighter. Um, can you give us your background as far as what did you do before you started you know, combative sports. What did you do in high school? How did you get from being a, a yeah. high school athlete, Kyle, whatever, into in a fighting? How's that journey happen? Yeah, just lucky, I guess. No, I was uh, I was playing football and basketball like one does, and then uh, when I was nineteen, I tried. I was thinking about trying to maybe play football for the University of Georgia, and I, you know, did a little some practices, and I was like, oh, I'm not I'm not good anymore. Like I was pretty good in high school, and then I got to. The, the big leagues. And I was like, well, I mean, you know, uh, the coaches didn't have anything nice to say to you if you're trying to walk on, you know, and I said, man, I could grind this out for another four or five years and, you know, maybe be like a kickoff special teams, maybe start in like four years. But, you know, it, it was actually like, there's a lot to practice in college. And I was like, my grades are suffering. I'm going to lose what little bit of scholarship I have. Um, so, you know, I'll do something else. And then I know you are, uh, you're fireman, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was thinking about being like an EMT because when I originally started college, I was a nursing major. I figured being a doctor, man, that's really hard, but I could be a nurse. You ain't got to be real smart to be a nurse. Turns out you have to be smarter than I am to be a nurse. I had chemistry and calculus the same semester. And I said, man, it's time for me to find a new major. Yeah. And that, so, you know, I, uh, I had a cool political science teacher. I thought this is pretty cool. And I was still thinking about like maybe trying to be an EMT. And um, a short story, uh, EMT school six months and they don't pay you. You pay for it up front. Police school is like four months and they pay you while you're in the school. Um, as long as you, as long as you make it and then you work for them for two years after training. So, you know, basically I just, did that, did my six month training, worked for him for two years. And then um, when I, I started fighting, I saw defensive tactics actually in the police academy. And that was the first time I really saw jujitsu. I had done some tough man contests just, you know, for fun. And, um, you know, I was kind of looking for something to do. And somebody gave me some UFCs. And the first one I saw was uh, the Vitor Randy one. I think it was 13 or 15. And I said, okay, that's a sport, you know, I want to do that. I was like, I could do that. And I, I met Adam and Roy Singer, some guys at the, at the whatever the UJ gym's called. And I was like. It's called Hardcore Gym at the time. Yeah. yeah, Hardcore Gym. 
uh, Athens First Fitness now, I think, or Straight Blessed Athens. But yeah, I went in and said, no, I bet I could do that. And you know what? I could not do that. I got beat up. And I said, uh, hey, there's something to this. I got I to gotta figure this stuff out. And uh, man, yeah, you know, it's, I don't know how you, I think you kind of, you, you knew to wrestle and box. We were wrestling a little bit. We boxed. I actually wrestled with the club team. I worked out with the judo team. We would drive to Atlanta and spar in pro boxing gyms, which was a horrible idea. Um, and, you know, we would do Muay Thai some days and we would, you know, mess around with the jiu-jitsu club. So basically we, we would just train different arts every day, you know, depending on who we could get together when. So it was, it was you know, yeah, it, it was crazy training at that time, you know. What, what, what year would you say this is about? 2000. Man, you're pretty far advanced for, I mean, 2000, not many people were doing a lot of cross training. They were, that was right when they started, but I feel like a lot of people were still just fighting. Like he's a good wrestler. He's a good grappler, but I mean, yeah. you're doing all these different things. I mean, and it's gotta be really hard having no wrestling background to go in it. Was that pretty tough to learn any wrestling? Cause I, maybe you being that big and strong was a good thing. But a lot of times, man, if you have a wrestle and you start when you're 20, it's tough. Yeah, for sure. It, it was, and I never became the wrestler that, that I could, thought I could have been. Uh, but, you know, I wrestled with the club team, and I just, within a season, I was holding my own with everybody, you know, at heavyweight. Wow. The other thing is heavyweight wrestling. Again, it's a club team. Good the point. Other thing is the skill in heavyweight wrestling is maybe not, you know, you, you can be a little skilled efficient if you have good cardio as a heavyweight, or at least you could. You can't anymore. Um, and then um, you got to think, too, this is back when jujitsu worked. I triangled heavyweights off my back, you know? <laughs> yeah. you know I, remember, um, I remember being in a, a grappling tournament with a guy that had, like, the, the USA wrestling, you know, with the belly-to-back suplex, you know, the tattoo. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, boy. I immediately shot down. He pushed me to guard, and I immediately, like, triangled him. I was like, sure enough, you know? It's back when jujitsu worked. <laughs> it's, it's interesting, too. You mentioned Rory Singer, you know, you, you had like a pairing of guys that would reach a pretty high level in the sport because he was a guy who, you know, I booked him a couple of times. He made yeah. the UFC and stuff. He's a guy who was no joke for those days. Yeah, and shortly after that, we had Brian Bowles. We had a couple others. You know you know how it is. like Nathan Gaylord? What? Was it Nathan Gaylord that fought Eric Anders? I think so. I can't, I can't play. I remember Eric. You know, Eric's from a, like a neighboring Fred Glass gym. Yeah, I remember him coming out. But yeah, um, yeah we, you know, and, and that's that's a funny thing. I remember a lot of guys that were pretty talented that just didn't make it because of life circumstances. You know, they ran out of finances and had to go get a full time job, or they, uh, you know, they had an injury and they they weren't able to sustain themselves, you know, in training. But yeah, I think we've all seen that the people that for whatever reason just just don't make it, even though they have that that talent and ability in the room. So no, you one imagine. more thing. Go ahead, real quick. One more thing. No. Like, were you amazed? I mean, at the level of how athletic and how just fast you have to be to be a college football player. I remember just seeing people at, at like the Division Two, and like you have to be so fast. And as Division Two, I mean, you have to be a complete elite athlete to be able to compete at a D one university. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny too. Even the way football players. This this was nineteen ninety eight when I tried that or 97, maybe 98, um, it's different, you know, um, 
Yeah, those guys were, you know, again, I was you coming from high school to college, big fish, small pond type thing, you know, and then you're like, oh, I'm a little fish in a huge pond. There, there was that, and and that's, uh, you know, there was a lot of athleticism, but that's another thing. Even the sport of football, like the size of linebackers has changed versus the speed of them. You know, the games change, like everything kind of, the, you know, there's cyclical changes as people – you know, change offensive schemes and defensive schemes. My problem, um, I was actually pretty quick, pretty strong, pretty decent size. I have very poor reaction time and like that basic cut, cut footwork, you know? Really? Yeah. But straight away, I was actually holding my own with a lot of decent, you know, guys. But when it was, you know, cutting, juking, making the right decisions in real time, I was never that great at it. Hmm. So well, let's start the uh, from the beginning. March 10, 2001, submission fighting open six. There was a promoter named Matt Waller. Yeah, they, great guy, great guy. They, they would do like tournaments and events and you entered into a four-man tournament and your first opponent ever is Sean Gray. Do you yeah. recall that? Nope. <laughs> okay, so- Now, now was that your first fight? Was that the first fight, really, or was that just? It the was first one? no, I know, for, I know it was because, dude, I psychotically researched him and got a hold of some of his old gym mates. So I will tell you, I, I okay, there, yeah. So I, I remember about that. Um, the, he was known the, as the Black Mamba. Uh, yeah, he he went on to fight. Is that is that Sean Gray? He's shoot he, wrestling. He was a shoot yeah. wrestling USA guy. Well, he fought in the IFC tournament that I fought in when um, Jeremy Horn knocked me out. He fought Matt. No. He got guillotined by No? No. That's that you're talking about Kevin Jordan. No, Kevin Jordan made it to the UFC. Okay. Uh, he he got guillotined at 205 against, uh, what was his name? Tommy Trauma. Tommy Trauma. Tommy Sauer. That's correct. Tommy Sauer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he was one of my first fights. He, he was probably my, maybe my Art. first fight ever. I remember, I was just confused on his name. So I remember, um, I still have a scar from him because he had long toenails. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I, yeah. Just. Wow. Well, here, let's, let's kind of frame this properly. So there's a four-man tournament, submission fighting, open six. It's in a boxing ring, middle of a gymnasium. Forrest comes out and one of his corners at the time was Frank Bishop. And when I talked to, to Frank, he had mentioned, yeah, Forrest isn't going to remember any of these names. He just didn't care. And when I watched the videos, Forrest is kind of jumping up and down, doing push-ups, kind of doing somersaults. You, you really didn't care, even though this was your first <laughs> fight. <laughs> no, man, it, you know, it was for fun. It was for fun, you know. It was, fun. It was cool, too, because only the winner got paid. So it's a four-man tournament, and you beat Sean Gray by armbar, and then you roll into Keith Blizzard. But the problem with Keith Blizzard is he doesn't have a uh, a prior fight. So I think it was a four-man tournament for Forrest and nobody else in that tournament. <laughs> so, yeah, and then I, I armbarred Keith Blizzard, too. So, so, so how long have you been training at this point? Probably a year, year and a half, maybe. Year, year and a half, yeah. I've been training a bit. And, and I, I've done um, some 
you know, I've done some amateur boxing by that okay. time, I think, or right around then I was doing amateur boxing and I've, uh, you know, I may have done a judo tournament. I'm not sure when that was. That was, uh, that, that went horribly for me. <laughs> so, so if you're, you're going to you, do a judo tournament, you should probably learn judo. Yeah. <laughs> so were you like nervous for this or was that not that big of a deal to you? Or I mean, like sometimes your first nah, fight, you can pay nervous. attention and watch no, I wasn't nervous at all. No. Fast forward to the second fight, the second tournament. Where wait, I fought. wait, that's May 19th, 2001. Uh -huh. Some fighting seven. You fight Jimmy Jennings. Uh, no, no, no. It's I forget the guy. No, it's, you're um, thinking of Kevin Brooks. Yeah. But where before that, you had two four-man tournaments. See, Frank okay. told me you just he goes. <laughs> This is what Frank said. Like I, Frank Look, gave me an hour and a half. Knows, if anybody knows, it's Frank. So Frank <laughs> gave me like an hour and a half of his time, and he goes, <laughs> he goes, no man, you you just don't get it. Force like it's not an act, it's not a joke. He doesn't care. Like he just he doesn't care. Like and it's it's like a level of not caring that he has never seen before. Like he's seen people not care, but not not care this not caring much. Is, and he described to me, he's like, yeah, this is going to be a little messy because he just doesn't give a shit. So, yeah. I, I, you know, what's funny is I thought I thought I knew more about my life than I do, apparently. Well, <laughs> we're here to inform you what took place. That, that's yeah. why we're here. <laughs> See, I, got a, I, got a, I got a question for you. Rory actually, you know, and I remember you guys were like, you know, together. So if I, I mistake this, you know, please correct me. But. Rory had actually fought like in 99 and he fought like Rodrigo Medeiros, like a jujitsu guy. Were you guys into jujitsu? What was, what was going on in your, in your training? So we were, and then Adam fought on that as well. We were, but that was right before I started training. I hadn't started training with him yet. And yeah. Okay. So Rory got Kamora'd in like 45 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. to give that guy credit, he was Vincent Luque's debut. You know, uh, I think he fought Vincent Luque in Shudo in 2010 in Brazil. So, you know, that guy goes back roots. But anyway, take over, Mike. All right, so here we go. So he gets in one tournament. How about this? Forrest, did you think entering into the ring that day on March 10th, 2001, that the entire direction of your life would change and that this would become such a huge part of it? No, no, but there was a there was probably a part of me that kind of hoped it would or fantasized that maybe it would. That's cool. So um, you just mentioned the one guy. For, it's two. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. You get two subs. Your first tournament, actually, you win by Armberg and Sean Gray. Your first Keith Blizzard fight, it's actually a rear naked choke. So then, and he doesn't have a fight prior. I, 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 I talked to two people from that tournament. So then May 19, 2001, some fighting seven. It's a four-man tournament. You roll in with Jimmy Jennings. You win by rear naked choke. Then Keith Blizzard is in an arm bar, and he really didn't want to fight you. He, they said he was in the locker room saying, please, not again. And you arm barred him in like 30 seconds. So then you enter another four-man tournament. This is his amateur career. Yeah. He's not getting – like these. this is – Go ahead, Forrest. Yeah, I, I forgot about the middle one. That's hilarious. I forgot about okay. that middle tournament. Yeah. So, dude, this is great. So, dude, this is one of my favorite fights of his. 
He fights at Gauntlet Trials, August 26, 2001. There's this dude. I would say he kind of looks like the Boz, like when Brian Bosworth had like the haircut and stuff and like the whole trailer park was there, like rooting for him. Like the dude sold some tickets and it's like if Joe Dirt, you know, did a bunch of push-ups every night and then decided to fight and he did like karate, like traditional karate and you fight Kevin Brooks. Kevin Brooks had some boxing too. You know, Rory Singer beat Kevin Brooks as well. That's a different story, but yeah. So why don't you tell us what happened? Because this is phenomenal. And that so, fight, do you recall? Yeah, yeah. Kevin Brooks was beating the mess out of me. Um, and I charged him with a double leg and we hit the ropes and his back, he snapped back like over the ropes because they were, they were shitty ropes, right? And um, his back like locked up and he, and he spasmed. And this is how I know I'm a good person. He started to fall through the ropes like onto the table. I don't think there was a table there, maybe like down, you know, onto the table. And I grabbed him and pulled him and just set him on the, and like on the mat. And that was it. But meanwhile, it was probably like two minutes tops. In that two minutes, he swollen both my eyes shut. So he was a Suha Kai fighter. Chris, you're muted. He was a Suha yeah. Kai fighter and he would always have himself, because I watched like four of his other fights and I respect him. The guy jumped in there five, six, seven times, and, you know, he, he went balls he, to the wall. He, he was on the card. He was on the card, and he was dominating the guy the night that I fought Munson. He was on the card with me that night because he was still a local hot shit. And then um, he was dominating the guy, and then he got clipped and fell down and, like, you know, got full-locked or something. Like, yeah, he was – he, so he, he stuck with it. So he got stretchered from the ring that night. Yeah. Like he took, uh, he took the, uh, the carried him out of there, but he would always be announced as having the fastest KO in Georgia history. <laughs> there you go. Now, now, Forrest, do you remember the rules back then? I mean, was it MMA or was it NHB or what, what were the rules back then? No, yeah. So that's funny. There was the first two tournaments he mentioned, it was um, pretty much go minus elbows standing. And then open hands on the ground. Hmm. Actually, that might have been the rules for all of them. Um, but the cool, cool thing about the second tournament, and we'll get to Kevin Jordan in a second, who's right after Kevin Brooks. But the night before that, uh, I was working, and these fights were, I forget where these fights were, but I was working the night before, and there'd been a fatality accident. Um, and so one, one fatality, and one guy pinned in the vehicle, and, you know, getting him out. And his wife's like screaming to you to get him out. And um, I didn't get him out, but it was pretty cool because I yanked, I was all fired up. I yanked the whole console out, like the middle console of the truck. I just yanked it out. And um, so by the time me and Rory got to that fight, I just was not like in a place where I wanted to fight people. I just seen a dude die last the night before his, you know, old wife screaming at me. And I'm just like, Man, I really don't want to hurt anybody. <laughs> and then <laughs> in a warm-up, and you can probably relate to this. One of my worst injuries that I still feel every day is from warming somebody else up. But in this warm-up, my boy Big John's warming me up, and we're just kind of messing around like with some clenched knees. And for whatever reason, he just throws a knee right up the middle and it uh. me like right in the xiphoid process. And like, you know, I'm like, ah, okay, all right, all right. And I'm like, you know, kind of hunched over the whole time. But yeah, 
Yeah, that, that's uh, so that that was going into that, and then I don't know. Uh, do, do you have the the stats on the second fight? And Sean, you know what? Uh, there there was there is no video on that. I couldn't. But were how were you feeling that day? I was. I mean, I don't know. I didn't really want to fight. You know, or I no, no. I'm talking against Kevin Jordan. Yeah, no. So right after I fought Kevin Jordan, I fought uh, what Sean Jordan. No, when you fought Kevin Kevin Jordan, Jordan. Kevin Brooks. Yes, Kevin Brooks, and then Kevin Jordan. Yeah. So when I fought Kevin Jordan, I went into the fight. My eyes were like at least one eye was shot. I think one eye was shot, and then uh, you know he promptly shut the other one, and he was beating me up. And now remember elbows were legal so i'm trying to throw elbows because it's the first time i've ever like thrown elbows and we got a tie coach so i'm working all these elbows turns out that the fist extended is a lot more effective than the elbow if you don't if you've only <laughs> learned how to elbow two weeks before you know and like it, it turns out that the, it's just longer too like you're just like I'm trying to elbow the guy he's just punching me at will <laughs> i don't know what happened he must have got tired of beating me up because he charged him to take me. To, he also fought in the shirt. <laughs> he, he charged him to take me down, <laughs> even though he was winning. And then I just immediately onboard him on the ground, like as we fell. <laughs> so uh, at this point, are you starting to figure out, you know what, I'm, I'm a pretty tough guy. Like some people cannot deal with being hit, deal with swollenness, deal with blood and still come back and win. Like, they're very good hammers, not good nails. Are you starting to feel – I'm pretty good at both. I'm, I'm actually pretty good at this. Are you feeling that yet? Um, you know, I, I never figured I wouldn't be. I guess I wouldn't – I was just thinking, you know, here's another thing. I got, like, 200 bucks the first go, and Matt Ooh. only gave me 100 bucks The first go, two minutes work, 200 bucks. Great. Nice. The second go, I don't remember. The, this, this one, I'm beat up. Blood's coming out my nose. I need stitches that I got to pay for myself. And he's like, hey, sorry, we didn't do too good. I only got 100 bucks to win this one. So I was told that you were really sick that night, too, the night before. Yeah, I think I was. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, may, yeah. They said that they were like, like uh, not they were putting some sort of tiger balm on you to kind of bring your fever down. Oh man, that are so. I think I think um, I think this is actually Frank's got that wrong because I remember the Tiger Bomb thing. That was for uh, my first professional fight, so the very next fight, which would have been uh, your uh, very next one. That's yeah, Dan Severn. Dan Severn. Yeah. So that's October twenty seventh, two thousand one. Reality Super Fighting. Yeah. Chris Lytle, we've what? come into the territory of an all-star promoter by the name of Jamie Levine, Jamie which I am sure oh. Forrest absolutely does not have any stories in regards to his shit baggery. Nobody does. Everybody does. <laughs> so funny. He was one of those guys. I, I, I know he's, he's passed now, but he was one of those guys. Um, you know, we had one contracted amount for the fight. He paid me something totally less. Um, you know, we, uh, and, and just like, yeah, sorry. Um, I forget. I fought for him one more time. We got it. We you got learn. it. And <laughs> you he didn't learn. No, he did not pay me until I agreed to fight for him again. And when I said, "Okay, I'll fight <laughs> Jeff Munson," that's when he paid me for the last fight. 
was like, it was like you know, it's like six or eight hundred bucks or something, too. But so he did end up paying me for every fight three months after, which is more so, than most people got out of him. So I got so paid Chris, for every fight. Chris, let, let's look at we always like to look at careers, direction, force obviously was listening to somebody when taking this fight because he runs in against uh, in his first professional fight ever as the main event in his hometown against Mr. Dan Severn, who's probably got about 70 fights at this time. Uh, good thing there's no commission because they were not allowed that. You know what I mean? So what will me, I mean, so you pretty confident we're going to win this fight or how this go? So I knew I could win and I still feel like if I actually fought, I could have won. That I was really sick going into it. And I, I didn't look really skinny. Um, you know, I was working, I was still working full time. And um, I have other excuses too, but mostly, honestly, <laughs> that dude is quick for an old man. Like, I, I swear to God, man, like I started touching him on the feet. All of a sudden I'm on my back and I'm like, not, not even like, you know, where somebody hits your hips and you have time to like start fighting, man. He, he was really quick. Like he got down to the ankle and bet me back like you know and th there's no stand-ups then right uh, it yeah. might have been four minute rounds but there's no stand-up so he got on me he pulled me to the fence and he put it on, on me man so and um, Chris, I, you guys yeah, gotta watch probably this fight. heard i started just i just started talking to him because i couldn't I, do you it were, so you, were, started... you were you were 100 communicating with him yes what were you saying there for i said um i said you know you look like a fat Freddie Mercury. That's very <laughs> insulting. You know, the, the, the TV must be slimming because you're a lot fatter in person. Uh, I just like stupid stuff. You know, coming out with your one-liners, your best material. <laughs> My A game. I said yeah. something. It was it was a lot better. It was a lot better than anything I was putting at him fighting. I literally well, had too, like I mean. one flurry in the, at the beginning of the third round. So for this. This is kind of where we get into like some a little bit of deep water. And if you want to answer, cool. If not, no big deal. We, we respect whatever stance you take in this. So, Dan, he's got a checkered fight history for sure. Yeah. And he loved fighting guys like in their first MMA debuts because it was easier wins for him. But there was also a rumor right around this time because Dan wasn't a heavy puncher that there was like harbinger, like gloves. Yeah. That would have like a metal piece. Yeah. Did he? He would try to use those gloves in fights. Did he? Did he use that glove in that fight? Do you know? I don't know if he did with me, but he's not the only person. A lot of people did. It's like a bad glove that they put the thing. Here's the crazier thing: I fought in Harbingers where we took the, where we had to take the rod out because I didn't want yeah. it to mess up my grip. But but you know what, man? I don't even know if he punched me. Like on the feet, <laughs> so I don't know that it mattered. He elbowed me, he headbutted me a lot, you know. But yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. Forrest, I used to love the old school days when it was bring your own glove. You know, everybody brought their own glove and nobody cared. I mean, I don't even know if the refs looked at him, man. They were just like, eh, he's got gloves, and that was it. Like, bring your man. gloves, your mouthpiece, and your cup. It was like, yeah, so that 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 is crazy, right? And I'm sure you fought a lot like that, like. Mm -hmm. What is wrong with me that I didn't ask to look at my opponent's gloves and be like, here's my gloves, let me see yours. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then I remember, and I remember in an amateur fight, cornering my buddy, 
And we're in the locker room. He's ripping half the stuffing out of his shin guards because it's like yeah. one of those fights. And then he was like, man, I shouldn't have done that because now I can't really use the shin guards for training. They're like 70 bucks, you know, the rev gear ones. Like, yeah, that was stupid. So, so Chris or Miguel, when you guys watch this, the announcer, West, baby. the announcer announces Forrest's name and he does a couple like karate kicks. Like this was like a hardcore announcer. Dude, it was horrible. <laughs> oh, the announcer did karate kicks. Oh, the announcer's doing karate kicks while saying names. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. It's good stuff. So from there, um, you go on to fight November 24, 2001. Pride and honor in one of Rodney King's, the Straight Blast Gym Rodney King's events in South Africa. Yeah. What? You went to South Africa? Yeah. His second fight, main event. Man, that's two, two fights and two main events. Wow. I, I was only the main event. Do you know why that is? Heavyweights. Uh, okay. Heavyweights. Back then, it used to be the sure, sure, sure. You know, that How much were you weighing happened. back then? Well, when I started, about 235. But by the time I would get to a fight, about 220-something. Okay. 223, okay. 4, you know. So yeah. I, I would always start like, you know, 235-ish and then you know, as I trained for the fight, I'd get skinnier and skinnier. Sure, sure. So do you remember going to South Africa and fighting Wehan Lesh? Wehan Lesh, yes. Yes, I do. You want to walk us through it? I remember. This is great. This is great. Uh, well, Roy had fought right before me and won, um, which always messes up your corner. I was, everybody thought I was pretty cool because I was reading a Harry Potter book in the locker room before the fight. Um <laughs> It, it, it was in a very cool arena, very cool arena, Sun City. It, it was the same one that Asim Rothman knocked Lennox Lewis out in. So it was a really? pretty cool arena. Yeah. Same, same ring. Ironically, it was a boxing ring, not an MMA ring, which I found out about five seconds into the fight when the Olympic uh, level wrestler slammed me on my shoulder and it promptly dislocated. Oh. And here's the crazy thing. If he would have just stopped, I would have quit. Yeah. But he slammed me, and then um, he starts kicking me, like, in the head on the ground because it, uh, it was pride rules, you know, because pride and honor, right? So, obviously, they're trying to rip pride off. And then, um, yeah, so I just started fighting, and then, um, man, yeah, I, I, you know, I kicked him once, and then he threw me, but he, he messed it up, and I ended up on his back, and uh, I flattened him out. And I tried to choke him with my right arm, but it was still out of the socket. So I had no strength in it. So I oh. took my forehead and jammed it on the back of his head and then just put my elbow on the mat and just used it like a lever, just winched it up. And, uh, <laughs> and he tapped. Man. Like, awesome. This is like a crowbar at his throat, like pulling it up. And then I was like, well, I need something to put pressure on with. I'll just use my, my forehead. Thinking yeah. outside the box, man. So, I mean, yeah. that's just, uh, that's well, very he, innovative right there. He, here's the great thing. I don't know that that guy had ever been in a fight before. He had like a whole career of wrestling. We were standing there and he's like looking at me and he looked very nervous. And I said, hey, man, I went up to the guy, I've got a fight. And I said, hey, man, don't be nervous. It's all good, man. It'll, it'll be fun once you get in there. You know how it goes. <laughs> wow. So, so not a, you're not mean mugging him or trying to intimidate him. Like it's gonna be fun. 
<laughs> That's well, uh, so, so uh, I mean, did they pop it back in right afterwards, or what happened? How would that go? Yeah, they got it back in. Um, this is this is this is a good story, actually. They got it back in. They're really anti pain pills over, so I couldn't get any pain pills. I don't drink ah. like liquor at the time, so I'm oh. drinking liquor for pain. Yeah. The exchange rate from the dollar to the rand was so poor that Rory and I took a nine-day safari as our, or a seven-day safari as opposed to money. So now my shoulder is falling in and out. Now oh. we go on an amazing safari. We're riding on elephants and the whole time we're going down water slides and I'm walking around like this the whole time, you know, like just <laughs> hold my shoulder so it didn't fall back out. Oh. Fortunately, one of the guys, one of Rodney's partner's wife was actually a doctor and she kind of helped me out a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, that was that was that was crazy. Now That's so what's, impressive. What, what's going on in South Africa way back then? I mean, when you got to the show, was it like on the up and up and turn like the arena's nice, but weigh-ins, how was your hotel? What was the whole African experience like? Um yeah, it was a blast, you know. There were people there. It was a good environment. People were cheering. Um, I mean, uh, it was a great trip other than destroying my shoulder, okay. um, cool. which I've had three surgeries on. Same one. That's the start of it all. I had three surgeries on it thus far, and I actually have to get a shoulder replacement here probably sooner rather than later. But, um, no, wow. it was crazy because that was, what, 2001, and, and there was, um, you know, there was a huge – fan base for MMA wow. in South Africa, you know? And like what what happened? I mean, they just couldn't keep the events going. They were losing money, you know, paying stupid Americans and uh uh vacations, you know. So paying them in safaris. Yeah. But so but right around this time up, it was a pretty well run event. Yeah, Rodney King was a pretty famous guy in regards to he had like a, a real interesting like instructional DVD as well. Crazy monkey. Crazy monkey. Crazy monkey. Yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of like a traditional martial art that just somehow translated as long as it was used right. And people actually used it to a relative degree of success. We used it for our first three or four fights after that because he was a straight blast gym guy. We went and we learned it. And you will see Rory especially, not myself so much because I, I boxed a lot, but Rory just walked into fights like this almost like, you know, if if you have good elbows and if, if you can if you can figure out how to punch from your head, it's not a bad defensive style. It also takes account that eighty percent of the punches in MMA are going to be towards your head. So who cares about your body? You know, yeah. it's it's really like, are you defending your body in a street fight? Probably not, right? <laughs> so Jamie Levine enters Forrest Griffin's life again, January 26, 2002, where you fight in Florida, reality super fighting against Jason Braswell. Who, who, yeah, this is a great fight too. I'll tell you this one. Um, it was actually pretty cool. Uh, I think Rory fought, yeah, Rory fought on the card as well. That's, that's basically how we would, you know, if the two of us fought as a package, we could get, like, <laughs> you know, more out of it. Um, and then we shared a hotel room, yada, yada. But, um, and I think this was at like, this was like a, a hundred kilo fight. Like, that's crazy. Well, they were doing in that Florida? back then. hundred kilos. Yeah. Well, that would be great upon me and Jason Braswell. Jason Braswell is like 220. I was like 225. So like 
to make the fight like 223. It's like, all right, I can lose two pounds. Yeah, Levine um, was making it up as he went along, but he did have like a, a heavyweight and a super heavyweight class, which, you know, some organizations did back then. And he yeah. used the metric system. It was yeah. very important to him. The, so this was the great event. Uh, two, two things happened here. One, on all the locker rooms, uh, they posted uh, signs that basically, um, this is not legal in the state of Florida. If you compete in this fight, you risk being arrested. Really? Everyone, every, yeah. Look, look into that. Ask other people on the card. But yeah, every, every locker room had a, and it was like a decent event, decent venue, whatever, but every locker room had basically a sign that said, was not a session event. Now, Forrest, you're a police player. Is this worrying you that you might get in trouble for this? I had already, I, I had quit by this time. Okay, okay. I, I had paid my my contract back and I'd quit to find fame and fortune as a uh, professional cage fighter. <laughs> so, so you already done. Um, did you enjoy? Obviously, you didn't enjoy your time that much on the police department. But I mean, did you enjoy it a little bit? Was it an okay time? Did you like it? It. You know what, man? The academy and doing it at a young age really taught me some good stuff. You know, I was never oh, yeah. in the military, but. But yeah, just just like authority, things that work for people, things that weren't don't work for people. I, I you you learn a lot of life life lessons pulling people over when you're a 21, 22 year old kid, you know, and you're pulling a 44 year old man over and trying to arrest the guy for DUI, and it's like, sir, you know, I, it it was it was pretty good. Um, yeah, no, I definitely I learned a lot at that age. You know, you're very impressionable, and and I liked the structure, and I liked. You know, I like the, the chain of command and, and you have some rules of following. I always like law enforcement. I thought you are, um, you know, you're out for eight or 12 hours a day and you're basically being getting paid to be a good Samaritan, you know. Yeah. And ironically, sometimes you help people by taking them to jail so they can't do anything else stupid until they sober up, you know, or you you stop them before they can hurt someone, you know, hopefully. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And, and I went I went back to it later. Okay. Do you, do, you get, yeah. do you get to tase anybody by that point yet? Had you tased anybody? We didn't have tasers. Oh, we had okay. spray. Okay. I'd sprayed a couple of people, but there were no tasers. <laughs> there were tasers, but we didn't we, we didn't get issued them at any anywhere I worked. Okay. Yeah. You had spray. We had. I'm sure you remember. We had ass batons. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Still had those. So yeah. And but the thing about an ass baton, just sorry to get so off track, is those actually require a fair amount of skill. You know what I'm saying? Like that is not like a taser. You just kind of, it's similar to a gun. You point it, beep, all right, cool. Three second, they take the ride, etc. With the ass blow, you gotta like not hit people in the head, figure out how to hit people in the legs or arm, you know. It's, it's, not hit uh, your partner? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not break your own arm, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because it's usually during a scuffle. And well, here, you had mentioned that there was two things that took place. One, a sign on the door. What was the second thing? Oh, God. What was his name? The guy that was like 6'10". Wes Sims. Wes Sims. Yeah, he was. <laughs> so uh, had I, had I uh, fought a little better, I would have tried to fight him in the main event. Um, maybe it was a co-main event, but he... He was the main uh, event. Yeah, his opponent backed out and wouldn't fight got in the cage, in the cage. What? And, and then, no, he was a karate kid, straight up karate kid. 
Like, no, never been in a fight. Like, uh, you know, 230 pounds, like 5'11", 230, 40-pound fat kid. He moved all right for a karate kid, you know, but he wasn't he wasn't the first coming of Stephen Thompson or anything, you know. And uh, he's like, no, no, I can't do this. And I kind of wanted to negotiate and see if I could take the fight. But honestly, uh, in my fight, uh, I don't know what happened. I, I ran out, did something stupid. Jason Braswell took me down. I immediately uh, popped his elbow. He let out like a little scream and I let go and got up. Like within the first two minutes of the fight. And then he goes, click, click. Hey, I'm fine. And I was like, oh, yeah, you didn't actually ever tap. I just <laughs> let go and got up. I'm kind of dumb. And then we went on, and I won a very close decision. Um, you know, this is his hometown. He sold yeah. a shitload of tickets. I, I won a very – I was very fortunate to get that decision. I just remember this is the only time this ever happened to me, and I've only ever done this once. But he he passed the cross side and he actually kneed me in the head from cross side, and I was like, oh okay, that was that was what I needed to get up. <laughs> I just because you know I was tired, I was like, I ah, will just stay here. Basically, <laughs> um, you know, I beat him up for about a minute, and then um, I got real tired, and then he beat me up, and then I I pulled it out at the last, you know, the last two minutes of the third round. So I won the first two minutes of the fight and the last two minutes of the fight in the middle. He didn't go. So fortunately, they fortunately they didn't have very good judging, and they they went with the recency bias, and I won. <laughs> That's awesome. So, hey, uh, I got a real quick question. Forrest, you fought, you know, old school like like myself, where you fought with a lot of open rules, pride rules, less rules, and then you went with more of the MMA route, obviously, as the sport transformed, where there was a lot, you know, you couldn't head, but you couldn't need the head on the ground. I like to talk to all the people. What did you like better? Did you like there being freedom to do whatever you want? Or do you like it like, hey, this is limited to what I want to do? Or, well, what's, what's more? I, I, I don't know. Do you like the Valley Tudo rules more, the NHB or the MMA rules? I don't know that it matters from an athlete standpoint, as long as you know what you're preparing for eight or 10 weeks ahead of time. The one thing I would say that got me is um, here, here we are in a fight with pride rules plus elbows, right? But <laughs> in a lot of fights, there were, you couldn't do that, right? So what did confuse me is a change of the rule set, you know? Because uh, you, you would fight under different rule sets. There were a couple of basic Every time. rule sets. Yeah, but, but it's basically the change that is not good for the fighter or the ref, you know, I ended up refing some fights later and I was like, wait, what rules are we using today? Yeah. No, I, I, I don't have a good excuse from my poor referee and they were the <laughs> UFC rules. So yeah, let, let me that, kind of, Chris, let me just frame this properly before we begin on the next topic. I'm going to apologize. So <laughs> West Sims fights Mike Paduano in the main event that Forrest had described. Wes said that you two were sharing a locker room and you guys could hear Paduano doing his katas. Like his warm-ups were his karate katas. And before he got to the cage, he pulls out and Jamie convinces him, just get to the cage. We'll figure it out there. We'll talk there. And Wes said that 
Paduano gets called out first. He gets called out second. When he's in the cage, Levine is in the cage telling him, Wes, I'm going to shut this door and I'm going to ring the bell. I need you to run across the ring and attack this guy. He's like, you have to do this. You have to just run across the ring. I'm going to ring the bell. And Wes goes, you know, Wes is nuts. Like, Wes Sims is like, there's no faking his, his psychotic behavior. He's just like, all right, makes sense to me. Too, yeah. You know? yeah. So the referee got in between Wes and wouldn't let Wes charge across the cage because the guy grabbed out of the cage and was facing his team and refused to turn around. So Wes is like almost like, a, it was like in a football. It's, it's worse than you think. It was his dad that he was talking to. And here's the crazy thing. Me and Rory went out and was like telling the kid, it's going to be okay, you know, just go out there, throw a big haymaker. As soon as he hits you, scream tap. I was yeah. like, that. Get money, like, get paid. You, you make yeah. you make a couple hundred bucks. You know he's gonna he's gonna he's like big. He's, he tries to knee everybody. He's got long arms. Just run in, try to close the distance, throw one big or two overhand haymakers, and when he starts hitting, you just scream, tap quit. on the ground, and act like you're dying. You know what I so, bet happened? I bet I bet he read the sign on the wall and didn't want yeah. to get arrested. Is what really happened. That's what. The story nobody's uh, telling. He should have played that up. He should have played that <laughs> I up. I would have. Yeah, so I'm not. You see that sign? I'm not getting there, arrested for nobody. There was about a three-minute conversation between me and Jamie where I was trying to convince myself to offer to take that fight. Wow. But I was I was actually pretty banged up from the first fight. And, it, you know, that would have been a good fight for me had we both been fresh. That's a fight yeah. you should make at heavyweight, right? Um, it's and, a know, big guy, too. He would have yeah. done well. You know, he would have done well against me, um, you know, if I until I could get him in deep waters, right? And, and you know, but but then I was thinking, uh, maybe we can make this fight later. I don't know, this guy's slack with the money, which I'm glad I didn't because I didn't get paid for that fight for like four months. So, yeah. so was Mark Coleman there? I don't remember. <laughs> okay. It's possible. Okay. I didn't know who Mark Coleman was at that time. Yeah. Now, were you a big fan? Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. I got, I got a question for you. It's, it has to do with your style. Just remembering the old days. Is it something that part of your mindset was, look, I'm, I'm a pretty sturdy dude. I'm going to take some of their just to give it back because you had that reputation, like a Heath Herring, like you, you took punishment very well. You know, like that was your rep, like a sturdy, tough dude. Yeah. 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 No, it's pretty tough. And especially a heavyweight. You're getting clipped. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't think I've ever been knocked out in a fight at this point. I've been knocked out in boxing spars multiple times by this point, but I've never been knocked out uh, in a fight or even hurt in a fight. You know, right. and I think when you haven't been hurt in a fight, you, you have a little bit of, you know, whatever, you know, okay. you, you have to go. For, but but again, like, I, yeah, I've been knocked out couple times boxing i remember having a great story i drive to the gym i spar in atlanta it's two hours drive six hours later i get to the house and i don't know like what the hell i've been doing like how i got home. oh I no half of the time i'd gotten a dui it's a two-hour drive it took me six hours i don't know where i was i don't know what i was doing another time we sparred and you know you i ate before i drove drove home i left my keys on my tray and threw them away and i was like at the store for like two hours Cause like, you know, you put your keys on the food tray and I threw them away. And then I'm like, I'm like looking through the trash. And then I'm like, 
man, these kids. And I'm just like eating garbage food as I'm looking, <laughs> sifting through the trash, looking for my keys. It's great. Hey, he's one course, of them crazy white course, people. Leave in the trash and people, are, people are giving him dollar bills. They get he's a homeless guy. Here you go. Your, your luck will turn around, buddy. <laughs> That's crazy. Reach for the stars. Yeah, kid. <laughs> so April 12, 2002, battle at the brewery. You fight a very tough uh, Kent Hensley. Yeah, that was, I mean, he's one of those guys, man. He was the local legend. People don't know. Oh, you know, he never went on to do anything, but he was the local legend. Those guys had it going on. He had, um, I mean, there was a, a promising prospect. He fought like a fight or two before at 205. And he, um, I mean, he basically ended that kid's career, you know? Wow. Yeah. And it was just a bad matchup, you know, this kid, 205. Kent was a little bigger. Uh, Kent might have been supplementing a little bit. <laughs> so, I mean, just so I can kind of frame this properly, Ken Hensley was a huge, like, like local neighborhood tough guy. Yeah. He practiced Koden Khan Jiu-Jitsu, whatever that, that is. Sounds tough. That sounds good. The big Do you remember thing what his trainer's name was? But he he'd been to Thailand, the Norseman. That was his nickname. Well, who was his trainer? Oh, I we used to make fun, it was another kickboxer. We used to make fun of him because we used to say that their gym they, they had a funny gym name, and we used to say that oh that's uh that's Thai for pharmacy. <laughs> <laughs> so his his local his trainer was Kevin Jacobs, who was like you know, like kind of like a legendary yeah. kind of just older coach yeah. that everybody like kind of was afraid of, but you know, they really saw him fight like maybe once, you know, it was more, a lot of bark, you know, not a lot of, not a lot of show. Yeah. Kev, Kev, Do you remember Kev, his Kev, warmups in the background in, in the back room? Yeah. What, tell me about, I remember it was crazy. What was he doing exactly? He was kicking chairs, folding chairs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it sounded more, it looked more impressive than the kicking folding chairs. Now it's like, whatever. I, but I hadn't even ever seen like a, a Van Damme movie. So I didn't know that was a thing. I was like, okay. Uh, but I remember, I remember, oh my God, Dan, I forget Dan's last name. I love him. He lives in North Carolina now, but he was holding pads for me and he had had a couple drinks. And um, I was like in the best flow of my life. I was like, pop, 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 pop. And like, I was like, all right, I'm fighting the total badass. I'm fighting the bad student state. But man, I kind of feel good right now, you know? Hey, so Chris, I have a question. I mean, were you, were you nervous in for any of these fights ever? Do you ever remember being like, I mean, these early fights, any nerves or not really? Not really. <laughs> That's, that's good. That's good. So, that's, so at this that's point, the answer like, Psycho would give. No, I, at this point, I mean, <laughs> you've already kind of said you you quit. Uh, are you quit being a policeman? So you're pretty dedicated at this point. Do you feel that there's a career path here? So yeah, my goal was to make it to the UFC, uh, to fight in the UFC or, or Pride. I love Pride. I was a huge Pride fan for three to five years. Um, make make as much money as I could. 
chunk some of that away and then go back to law enforcement you know so i was i was honestly careful like not to smoke pot like don't steal things like don't do stuff that's going to make you fail polygraph so you can't get back into law enforcement okay so i thought man you know i'm just going to do this for three to five years as long as i can make as much as i can and then go back and get a real job okay get, get you know yeah so um i don't know i can't imagine lining a folding church a real job <laughs> yeah. yeah for sure for sure i can't imagine lining up folding chairs as a part of my warm-up but um you know your corner had told me it was very impressive it was very loud yeah. and he, he would break chairs like just people, jumping up and down on them like as his warm-up people, people man and here's another thing chris i'm sure you guys can all relate the <laughs> warm-up area and the audience was kind of like they could see you warming up so everybody's like, holy shit. And that's one of, I remember after I went, so I went to fight pretty, pretty easily, actually. I don't even know if I got hit. And um, I gave maybe the worst post-fight speech I've ever given in my life. I don't even know why I was mumbling. Let's hear it. I, man, I was just like, you know, this guy's pretty awesome. Yeah, sure. I was scared of him, but... uh you know, uh, that, that's how you do it, you know, just like, um, you know, jujitsu. I was like, what? Jiu-jitsu? Like, yeah, I was like, he's awesome, you know, he's a badass and all, but, you know, it's just, like, I was just too good For, today, I don't know. Forrest, awesome. it's amazing to me how after a fight, your adrenaline is so high, when you start talking, it's like you watch the clip afterwards, and you're like, what was I even talking about? It's almost mm -hmm. like it's an out-of-body experience, like you can watch yourself saying, you're like, man, this shit ain't good, but keep going you know it's, just, it's unreal yeah. the stuff that comes out of your mouth and Everybody. later you make fun of yourself but it, it happens but I, I've, I've done it before myself i know you have i've seen you do it <laughs> i've heard you but like i don't know 100 what he's saying but but here's the great thing on that i uh i'm actually like most of my post ufc interviews win or lose were pretty good yeah this yeah, was are. the worst one ever this was just like <laughs> oh my god what are you even saying and, and like I, I would watch the fight and be like, all right, turn it off now, turn it off now. Don't, don't. I'm gonna say some weird stuff that's not even true. <laughs> like I was saying stuff about him because I felt like almost bad for the, the audience because they were so stoked. And here I am, I beat this guy in a minute. So do you, do you have what actually happened in the fight? No, there's no video. I couldn't find it, dude. I I oh, there's video. Frank Bishop let you down because I've seen the video. He said he's got it on VHS. But he doesn't yeah. have it. Like I said, there's video. I've seen the VHS. VHS. <laughs> he's, got, he's like, he's like, I think I got it on VHS. I have to like convert it and send it to you. I go, man, you should upload it. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I think I have it on VHS too. I have it copied off of Frank's. You know where you Does play it on one VCR and you record oh, yeah. it on the second VCR. <laughs> I've got that. Does it? it. Does it have the, the chair kicking in it? Uh, I don't think it, it doesn't. I don't think it's yeah, that phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that, just think, I guarantee the crowd was watching that guy kick chairs and everybody there was betting on that guy. This guy's going to kill this forest guy, man. He's kicking chairs back there. He's, he's killing you know, that furniture. And I'm so like, I'm so like, pump, put your home goofy, like, you know, Will Ferrell looking dude, just, okay. Somersaults. Today. And then, uh, yeah, I, I went out, I threw like three consecutive right hands. He went to clinch me. Uh, one of us landed in need of the body. I spun behind him, went to his back, 
um, got a hook in, started punching him in the ear a little bit. Um, he did something stupid. I started to armbar him. I lost the armbar, transitioned to the triangle. And then um, this one I messed up, though. I remember, uh, like, he tapped, and I let it go. And then oh. I was like, oh, wait. Oh, wait. I have made... I've made a similar mistake before. And then I viced it right back down. And do you know, Chris, you, you'll, you'll be able to, you know how back then they used to say, when you're doing the triangle, don't grab your foot. It'll tear your, your knee. Remember, yeah. it was like a thing. Like, don't, don't, don't yeah. grab this part of your foot. It's not true. But... No. Everybody, they would always tell me, and I grabbed the wrong part of my foot. I remember remembering that and saying, well, you know what? If I tear the knee right now, it's fine. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and then um, yeah, that, that's all I really remember about it. He tapped, and I started to let go, and I was like, "Oh no, wait, nope, nope, nope." All right, and the ref came, and then I was like, "Okay, okay. Uh, you learned good." Yeah, it's kind of like that pro wrestling moment where you just point at your head, like I learned from my mistake, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so from there, Jamie Levine, you must have sold a shitload of tickets for you to constantly be on Jamie Levine's radar, especially in that either main or co-main event spot? Yeah, I, was, uh, yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I was durable. I would fight anybody. I never, I'd never pulled out of a fight. I would work, you know, I'd work the night before, sleep three hours, and then drive to Atlanta to fight somebody. So, yeah, why wouldn't you like that kid? So, and, June 29, 2002, WEF2, you fight main event against the snowman, Jeff Monson. Yeah, how about, how about these names? Just random initials, right? World Extreme Fighting, like, yeah. If I ever started a fight company, two names. We're not having three initials, just two, you know? <laughs> fighting Inc. or something, you know? FG so, Fighting. Yeah, this, this was actually, this was a rough fight. This was a rough fight for me because I was working as a bouncer and I needed like the 75 bucks. So I'd worked. And then I, I, I worked the night before. I go to weigh-ins, but I'm on a night schedule. So I'm, like, up all night and then, you know, whatever, yada, yada. And I just remember, like, you know, I drove two hours to the event. And this – I was really nervous before this fight. Not because I was afraid of Jeff Monson or I knew who he was, really. Because I could not get warmed up to save my life. Like, I couldn't break a sweat. I couldn't get warmed really? up. I had no energy. Yeah, my corner, like Rory and Adam didn't get there until like right before the fight too, like an hour before, because Rory fought and lost. Um, like maybe the fight before me or two fights before me. So, you know, it's just like a uh, shit vibe, you know? And then the now, guy did who you, lost did you... in that fight was amazing. Never, never went on to do anything. Really? Did you know any, you didn't yeah, know anything about going... Munson at the time? I mean, I did. I knew it was a, a thing. I don't know if he'd been in. Had he been, I guess he'd been in UFC and then already been out. You know, I, I'd seen him fight. I know I did done a little film study on him. Two time jiu-jitsu world gonna, champion. You knew he was going to get to the ground, right? Yeah, I didn't know a ton about. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really know. You thought so, you thought he was going to try and get you to the ground, though, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So uh, the thing about that's Jeff, another, that, go ahead. Oh, no, that's another funny thing about this one. Um, we fought on vinyl, main event. There's blood, sweat on it. 
Every time I threw a kick or tried to really commit to a punch, I would slip. Every time he would shoot, his feet would go out from under him. So we were both screwed. <laughs> like I remember I, I ended up winning in the overtime round because he shot, he hit me, and his feet started like slipping backwards. And I just pushed him over, ended up on top of him half guard and just, you know, sat and did that for like the last minute of the fight. But yeah, that was great. So with Jeff, there's a lot of moving parts. I, I don't know. Did you ever hang out with him at all, ever? I did. I did. I, I was on a plane where he almost got arrested. For what? A flight. Um, uh, all right. I, he was wearing a shirt, no shoes, but he laid down on the floor in, of the aisle and put his feet up like on the chair. And they were like, no, no, you can't do that. And he's like, no, no, it's okay. It's like, oh, my back hurts. I'm going to, it's fine. And I was like, they were like, no, no, you can't do that. And they were like really freaking out. And he was just like, no, no, it's, it's fine. I don't even remember what happened. I was probably reading like Harry Potter or something, Lord of the Rings or something. <laughs> like that, you know? So Jeff, when we interviewed him, he told us about this. He said that they were so upset with him that he had to go and his back was hurt so much that he yeah. had to go to the airplane bathroom and he said he sat on his head on a urine-soaked floor in order to, like, ease his back pain. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, he had chronic back problems. Like, I mean, the story <laughs> to him, he, he, he was picking up Aaron Riley at an airport. Aaron told this story. And... Riley shows up and he's lying on the floor and he's like, you're going to have to pick me up. <laughs> Aaron's going to take, you know, Aaron's a 160 pounder. He's got 230 pounds of Jeff Bunsen, like a baby trying to get him in a car. It's not easy. <laughs> yeah. And our, uh, our Dennis Hallman interview, Dennis wanted to talk about everything except fighting. And Dennis at the end said that Jeff shot urine into his bladder in order to be drug tests. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He said he injected someone else's pee into his body. Like, uh, interesting guy. With your you limited, guys, hold on, with your, you guys didn't see the program? He no, puts no. the catheter up Yeah, there yeah, and, yeah. And that, that football movie, yeah. Yeah, that's a oh, thing. Yeah. Okay. As, as an EMT, though, there's, you know, with your limited EMT training, there's something unhealthy about shooting, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't know. advise against it. That's all I'm going to say. I wouldn't. Would hey, recommend it. Hey, they do drink fecal it. transplants out there, okay? Fecal transplant. It's a thing. <laughs> not okay. urine transplants. I'm not familiar with <laughs> So, Forrest, after this. Hold Kale on. Wait, Cooper. wait, wait. Real quick. Uh, tell us a little bit about that fight. How'd the fight play out? Uh, well, he beat me up the first round. Just taking you down and mauling you? Or? Yeah, yeah. He did a pretty good job. I don't remember that much of the first round I fought like shit like I said I went to throw a kick just fell down like I mean I'll, I'll give him credit for the takedown if you want but it's just like and then I also remember um he's got very short arms obviously duh but he's actually got some pretty good power oh he's a strong guy he he clipped me a couple times and I was like all right I should probably move my feet a little bit because he's, he's punching pretty decent here and then um I mean that that was just that was just fatigue for both of us, you know. And then, um, yeah, I think I got the second round. Third round was pretty close, and then the overtime round. He just after that initial shot, he really just didn't have any any go. All right. So, do you think the referee may have stood you up unfairly in that bout? Oh, did that happen? That's what Jeff claimed. 
Ah, well. When we interviewed him. Ah, I don't recall. I don't recall. It's possible. Yeah. But, do you but, think the do you think the deck was stacked against Jeff because Jamie was I don't know championing you as being one of his guys? So no 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 because Jeff was the much bigger man than me. Um, yeah, but you fought cheap. Jeff probably well, got paid. Yeah, Jeff got paid. I fought cheap for sure. Um, <laughs> but but on that one, um, who was the ref? You got to look at the ref. You know, you know what? Really, I got his name really written down somewhere. Don't have and also, too, not, not to throw stones at Jeff, but he's not known for being the most active guy. No, he stalls. Know? Like, if he was going to help, think about his jujitsu career. He's going to hang out, going to hang out, going to hang out, and then you're going to go real hard for the last minute. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, but you, even, you know, I think the stand ups, like, I don't, I think they actually might have helped him. Because they just helped him notch another takedown. They yeah. made him do you know what? You might be right on that. It was and like the scorecards. He was just going to lay on top of it. Yeah, the scorecards were were red. And, you know, this is Jamie Levine, you know, all-star promoter. He's in our promoter hall of fame right next to Brad Kohler. And um, <laughs> the scorecards were 13 to 8, one judge, 12 to 4, a different judge. And I, it was indecipherable, the third judge. It was just a real weird score. What does that even mean, 13 to 8? I, what is that? I, that's, that's what we asked Jeff. We had, I had no idea. <laughs> hey, as long as I won. Look, all that matters is I definitely won the three-minute overtime that neither of us knew was coming. <laughs> <laughs> so did Jamie come into the ring and inform you guys for doing overtime and you wouldn't get paid? What, what took I, place there? I don't know. I wish I could remember, but I have no idea. I just remember thinking, well, if you don't do it, you're a wimp, you know, or maybe not so kind. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, I have to do this, though. I like, I wouldn't even pay attention to him. I was just like, I have to do this. My complained with your overtime round. He's like, I don't even, we didn't know there was an overtime round that existed. No, yeah. <laughs> Madsen said the same thing. Yeah. 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 It's, I know, it's, you know, you know, you know I mean, for those listening at home, we collected a whole bunch of bizarre, off-the-wall, crazy stories about Monson from his former training partners. And then in our interview with Jeff, we asked him one by one every single story, and he confirmed everything and made it worse. So, like, yeah. there, there is, like, no embarrassment out of him. And if a story is terrible, he'll make it worse for himself just so you could hear it. Highly suggest listening to that interview. After that... October 26, 2002, Cal Cooper throws his hat into the ring in regards to promotions, and he does one event only with Cage Fighter Championships, where he puts you in against Travis Fulton. Yeah. Was that Cal Cooper? It was Cal Cooper. I thought it was a different guy. No, see, he worked at different events. He was kind yeah. of like a guy that was, <laughs> you know, judging not i don't know about refereeing but he was always working events but this is was his one-time promotions i actually talked to him online and he said dude he lost his ass so much that he he couldn't he couldn't he couldn't do another hey, event he lost is finally getting paid what'd you get him you got it for a lot of money actually tens uh, of hundreds of dollars forrest for Fulton, i don't know did he know did he know what what he paid me for that you know i didn't ask i figured i didn't want to insult him because I, you know, I had a I conversation wish, with him. I figured I I'd you ask you, and then you could hey, throw him under the bus. <laughs> I wish you would have asked. Look, hey, I remember not having enough money to buy a Red Bull before the fight. 
and they, <laughs> they weren't going to give it to you for free. And I was like, hey, Roy, I need a Red Bull, man. I need, you know, because a lot of times I work night, uh, yeah, you know. And so I was like, yeah, I need a Red Bull. And it worked. Red Bull was good. It gave you wings. Gave you wings. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Big so commercial. Talk us through, like, Travis Fulton comes in at 109 wins, 28 losses, seven draws. And, you know, with somebody with that much experience, you would figure he'd have the forethought and knowledge of not wearing a wrestling singlet in a cage fight, but he what? didn't, unfortunately. Look, bro. Look, bro. When you got man boobs, you you cover them. You wear the that's bra. That's a good point. That, that's what was happening there, bro. He also wore uh, wrestling shoes. So, Forrest, you're five Even and he one. He had no intention of wrestling. He would try to. He came up the back. He had no intention of wrestling. Wrestling singer, wrestling shoes. It's a mind games, bro. It's kind of genius on his end, right? Kind of a clown show. But... So, you're five and one. He's got. Yeah, I mean about 150 fights at this time. So we're looking at the beginning of Travis Fulton's career. <laughs> the first half. Yeah. yeah. So do you remember that fight? Yeah. Yeah. Jab, land, jab, land, cross, land, fall, uh, run over, uh, take his back, elbow him for about four minutes straight. Oh. Uh, blood everywhere. I got, I chipped my elbow on that son of a gun's head. Still got the chip today. Um, yeah, blood everywhere. And he basically, he, he, he waved off the second round. They couldn't get the blood to stop. Wow. So, yeah, you threw one combo. He went to the ground. You took his back. And, I mean, it was, it was like a prison-style beating. <laughs> it, it, it was crazy. Because why Minus, you know, the, the aftermath. <laughs> he didn't quit. Like he just like he'd be kind of like where he was he would get flat out and then he would base back up and crawl back into it and try to fight again for a second like right when the ref was about to stop it they'd be like nope gotta keep letting you go yeah I just remember it's so great because jab touch jab touch cross touch you know it's like every I was a hundred percent in my strikes literally a hundred percent you're like through, watching Rocky he didn't block any of it huh just everything lands. Well, you know what, man? What it was is I, I don't touch gloves or anything. I just come out and go. I think he was still, like, developing a plan, like, <laughs> trying to find the rhythm, you know? And I just come out, ding, ding, ding. Yeah. When you heard the news about Travis and obviously how his life tragically ended. The demise. Uh, were you surprised by that? Oh, yeah. Horrified. Mortified. <clears throat> That's six stuff. Six yeah. stuff. So shortly thereafter, December 15th, you get your Christmas check coming from King of the Cage, Steve Sajja from Team Cannon. So look, wait, 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 before, before you answer, he goes from Travis Fulton to Shannon the Cannon's main training partner. <laughs> I did not know that. I know. So that, that's a that's a cool event for me. I learned a lot of things. Um, I learned that Albuquerque's at altitude. Didn't know that before I got on the plane. Mm -hmm. uh, when you're fighting heavyweight and you have to work for a Saturday fight, you go out Thursday. That's not a lot of time to adapt to, you know, altitude, which I had no idea was a thing. And I was like, wait, Albuquerque's at altitude? Like, I know Denver is, but Albuquerque? Because I'm coming from literally... 16 feet below sea level 
Um, the other cool thing there is that's when I met basically all of Jackson's guys. Keith Jardine was in the locker room, smashing chairs like a psychopath. Um, I talked to, uh, I talked that to, was the move. Yeah. I talked to, I talked to, I Diego? talked to Greg Jackson that night, which is pretty cool. Cause I knew him. I knew he was a good coach. Um, wait, wait, wait. Diego. So at this time, wait, Forrest, I apologize. At this time, Jackson MMA, I believe was known as Ryu Jiu-Jitsu. What was it? It was Ryu Jiu-Jitsu. So we, we're yes. So we're supposed to have like Diego Sanchez on sometime soon. I I don't know when, but maybe if he sees this, he'll you know finally come on board. And so Diego, uh, they so they honestly thought like no kidding, King of the Cage thought this would be like a good fight for Shannon Cam. Now here I am. I've got another great story about this fight. So here I am. Um, and I'm, I'm just kind of like at the way and just hearing stuff, you know, heavyweight. So it's not a big deal for us, but they're talking about, look, this kid is a high school wrestler with a little bit of jujitsu talking about Diego Sanchez. This is Shannon, the cannons bounce back fight. This is his, you know, all right, we're going <laughs> to set things right and get it going. We're going to get your career back on track kid. And, and he comes out to a savage single leg, ground and pound machine that is Diego Sanchez. And and in Shannon's defense, he didn't quit fast enough in that fight. Diego <laughs> put it on him. How long did that fight last? I don't know, but longer than it needed to. <laughs> I tell you, Diego Sanchez, back in the day, bro, he was no, him and Joe Daddy Stevenson were no Joe joke. Daddy. Yeah. So I've got James both like, those guys quite a bit. Yeah. I have actually by date got his gym name changes. And I, I plan on like hitting Diego with those because every step of the way he was there. You know, it's like, why? Why a different name? Did you move? What happens? Um big knees go into the mount. You end that fight with a knockout. And um you wait a little bit. You wait about six months and six, seven months in July 31st, 2003. So, oh, no. You had a canceled about February 21st, 2003 against Paul Buentello. Ooh. He was yeah. supposed to fight Paul Buentello. Let me be clear here. Um, let me be clear. We're not waiting to fight. And Chris knows what I'm talking about. You fight when there is a promoter dumb enough to put money up for you to fight. <laughs> this, this, this is the truth. Like you fight like one it's available. So I'm going to fight in the heavyweight tournament for King of the Cage. <clears throat> and shortly before that fight, I think Paul Bonatello wasn't my first opponent. I don't think maybe he was, but there was some other guy. It was like four of us. And um, so it's like a tournament, right? Like boom, boom, boom. Not a tournament in one night, but basically like the Grand Prix, I should say. And, um, you know, I'm excited. It's a decent payday, maybe two grand or something. I don't know. They don't pay a lot. Um, and I shatter my hand before that mm. fight. I, sh I get two spiral fractures in both my metacarpals. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm just like, yeah, that, that was a rough time for me. So I'm, I'm Were you back on the department? Huh? Were you back on the department at that time? No, 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 no. I was, I was homeless. If it weren't for Rory and Adam, I would have been homeless. I wow. had, 
I had no money. I had like negative money in my checking account. Um, you know, the thing about uh, everybody thinks you can go to a hospital for free, and I do. And um, they're not going to do surgery on you for free. They put me in a cast for free. They gave me some pills. They sent me home. But there's no <laughs> like, they're not going to like, oh, you need you need an orthopedic surgeon. They can't orthopedic surgeon you in the ER. You're just screwed. And it was my right hand, and they gave me some paperwork to fill out. And I'm like, bro, I'm right-handed. I can't, like, my hand is in pieces mm. there. And What happened? Um, How'd you do it? Uh, man, so, it, you know, it was late run one. It was late in the round. I was working with a kid who was a state championship-level wrestler. Uh, it was one we would do big gloves, little gloves. So he's little gloves. I'm big gloves. He's trying to take me down, and I'm trying to take his head off. And he's doing a great job. And I kind of, like, as, you know, I throw, like, hard punch because i'm exhausted so i'm trying to keep this kid off me and i kind of hit him in the hip and it's just my hand breaks and then like my, my hand wraps had already come loose because you know how you try to do mma in hand wraps they come loose no kidding oh, yeah. right but this is before eight ounce puffies which are genius eight ounce gloves 10 ounce mma gloves those have changed training a little bit a lot actually so, so your hands destroyed. Like, what do you do? Yeah, I mean, you can't get surgery. What do you do for just let it heal? So, I couldn't get surgery. I couldn't work as a bouncer because you can't work in a cast as a bouncer. So I have, I have nothing. I'm already. I think I was already living on Roy's living room floor on a mattress, but now I can't even pay Roy his rent that I owe him. Ugh. And then uh, you were like, what his I because I'm a genius. Yeah, his pet, they would just like eat his food as soon as he left the house because I had no food. Um, <laughs> right. Access to his refrigerator. Check this out. Do you guys know like Ryan's Steakhouse, all you can eat? Yeah. <laughs> so I would go in, I would go in with like a book or some magazines at around 11. I would eat lunch. <laughs> I would eat lunch, go in the back, I'd read for a couple hours, and then I would eat dinner. So I ate both my meals for six bucks. They hated you, man. They hated you there. They're like, get this bum out of here. The homeless? Who is this guy? I was yeah. sitting there in the back. I mean, I was homeless. I was living in Royce. He's a vagrant. That was great, though. I would do it every day. You know, I would do it every day. I come in, you pay. It's like six ninety nine. All you can eat. Five ninety nine. All you can eat. Actually, you know. <laughs> and then uh, I just sit. I would eat lunch and read, read, you know, whatever. And then I'd eat dinner. And then I'd go oh, home. the waiter must have hated Man. you. Yeah. No, 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 no. There's no waiter. There's no waiter. They, they, they seat you once and then you just help yourself, man. Yeah. And so for us, it's, it's amazing. Like what, or one of those places. It's amazing what people had to do just to, to hold on to this dream to be a UFC fighter one day, you know what I mean? I mean, these people nowadays will never understand that, that there was no money at the lower levels at all. It was just a grind just to try and even, and really we were stupid for thinking you could make any money because there was no money even in it back then, you know what I mean? You know, there wasn't, but you know, we'd gone to like a Randy Couture seminar, we'd gone to like a, a military seminar, we'd trained with these guys, so we knew that I mean, we watched the UFC and we assumed that those guys were making really good money. Little did we know, you know, at that time. Right. But, um, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a struggle for the guys today, too. I mean, you know, yeah. they, 
the if, if you come out and you lose a fight and you get all your money and then you pay your medical because now you got to pay for the medicals at least we didn't have to do medicals you literally i just remember like if you could come up with a negative hiv test you're good to go and you can get that for free at the clinic yeah for did you for, ever fight in did you ever find ufc when afterwards everybody on the card would go to the hospital the er they're like yeah i hurt my hand and my back in my knee, and they're like, your fight lasted 32 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> they always ask if you want to go to the hospital, and everybody went because they didn't have health insurance. Do you, you, yeah, do you yeah. fight back like, in there? Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, I got a cold. So I got a cold in the fight. If you guys give me some antibiotics for that, it'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get my awesome. tooth pulled, you know, yeah, first a little bit. Always, like, yeah. always everybody had a lot of problems. It was funny. You really went all in. Like, had this not panned out for you, Oh my God! So you know what I did though? I I, uh, I committed a felony. I took out a student loan, go to, to finish school, withdrew from all my classes, cashed it, bought myself a new hand. Actually, you know what? Uh, Roy and Adam helped me out too. They they helped me out with the hand. I I, I used some uh, money. Like you know, have you you know what I'm talking about? Like it's actually a felony to like. You know, I'm from yeah. I'm from Chicago. Statue. I'm from Chicago. Everybody in the inner city does that. They say it's how you get free money. Yeah, you take out student loans and then just don't go to school. <laughs> yeah. You just gotta no, if you withdraw from all your classes in the first three days, they will give you that government money back, or at least they used to. It was a loophole. No, no, it's, it's still happening. That, that's true. That's how I I mean that's how I survived at that time. No, no, I talk about being poor and I, I was poor. I only had free t-shirts, blah blah blah. But my parents were still middle class. So at some point I could have borrowed a phone and said, Hey mom, you got to come get me. I, it didn't work. Come get me. You know? So I always had like, you had a, you had a escape plan. You know, it, what's sad is like, I, yeah, I thought about that a couple of times. Like, is it time to call mom and say, please, can you come get me? <laughs> Did you drive so, up here? So, so you you did you actually have surgery then with that money you borrowed? I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought myself a new hand. Damn fine investment if I don't say myself. Oh, it's great investment, <laughs> man. It worked. So then you were able to fight again after that. So then you that's why there was a six month layoff. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hey, that's freaking impressive to have your hand put back together and only take six months off. Now how much money did it cost? It, I don't know. It wasn't cheap, like six grand maybe i don't know but but um yeah but here's the crazy thing um now if i get a cold i'm out for six months <laughs> at age like, brother father time's undefeated you know what i mean i like you know the figure i got a blister that's a year i can't, can't trade <laughs> I, I haven't trained since before christmas because i was doing a drill like, and I went to block a, a left hook and I got my hand knocked down. I was like, oh, it's bad children. I haven't been able to train since. You know? <laughs> so, that, that's impressive, man. I shattered my hand. I fought six months later. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. So why don't we talk about your opponent six months later, July 31st, 2003, Heat FC, Natal, Brazil. You fight Ebenezer Braga. Oh, Bad boy, man. Dude, that dude was- wait, wait, let me frame this for us. My friends, at one point, this guy was arguably one of the top three in the world. And we had, uh, what is this, uh, Brandon Hinkle on. And Hinkle, coming yeah. from Hammer House, lost to Ebenezer Braga. And he said, 
from Hammerhouse, there was levels of meanness that I didn't understand. And Ebenezer Braga showed me what that was. That was his quote in our interview with him. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so I got a question for Chris. How many times did you fight without cornermen? Uh, unfortunately, the first probably five times I went to Japan, the late, great Phyllis Lee would tell me, Chris, I got you a fight in Japan. They're not going to give you a corner, man. Uh, they're bringing me over. And it wasn't until probably the fifth time I realized she's taking my corner, man, Pat. You know, so my <laughs> first five times, they never they give me a Japanese guy who didn't speak English. So it was awesome. But uh, several times I've been there without a corner, man. But it's not good. Yeah. So I didn't have a corner, man, for this fight in Brazil. Um <laughs> I didn't have a corner man for the King of the Cage fight either. And um, <clears throat> the promoter, one of the promoters actually introduced me to somebody and they warmed me up and held mitts for me like before the, uh, before the match. And I was like, oh, this dude's pretty good. <clears throat> also, King of the Cage, the guy started giving me instructions. I hadn't planned on listening to him. I didn't know him from Adam's house cat. He starts giving me instructions and I'm like, those are good instructions. Yeah, all right, I'm going to do that. He's telling me like to swim my arm. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, all right. Never, never met this guy before. The only time I'd ever met him before he cornered me was in the ride from the airport. Uh, who is it? Do you remember? Nope, no idea. Oh. <laughs> never met him, never talked to him again. What about in Brazil? Do you, any, the cornerman there any good? Uh, yes, it was a guy he's fought. He was out of Militich. Um, and Rothwell. Yeah, Ben, ben Rothwell's corner. Ben Rothwell fought. Did, did, ben, did Ben fight before or after me? He was the main event against Carlos okay. Bajeto. I saw Ben. I, I can't place his corner. I couldn't I, I couldn't get enough. I even sent Miguel a picture. I couldn't figure yeah, out who his corner he's, was. He's fought, he's fought a couple times. Um, I forget his name, but he was just, oh. dude, this dude was hilarious. A guy to know pitch. <laughs> He'd been, you know, he's like a reformed alcoholic, a super healthy, <laughs> cool guy. Yeah, you know, we were just talking about life, man. Me and this kid just, you know, and it, it was cool because he was like an older brother, you know, and, and uh, man, we got some stories, me and him and that guy. Of course, we I, I remember one of my we first fights. Brazil, ben did not go. He should, okay. it's good too. One, one of my first fights in Japan over in Pancrase, I fought in. Ebenezer Braga fought there, and uh, I remember, I think he fought Fanaki, somebody really good. I just remember thinking, oh, my God, this guy, he was really, really impressive. I was like, this, he's the best guy on the card. I remember thinking that. Um, that's a tough guy. That was probably back in 99. I'm sure he was still pretty good by 2003. He was a tough individual. Yeah, I mean, and I'd really just seen him, like, almost crank off uh, what's-his-name's head. Uh, Jeremy. Jeremy Horn's head and that, that was beautiful. And one of the first guys to use defense instead of pulling guard on the guillotine. Now very commonplace. But the first time I ever saw it was Ebenezer Braga. And so, you know, people were making fun of me. Don't lose this guy. It'll ruin your Christmas. Um, Ebenezer screwed you. But, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I go out, man, and, and I just, like, I snuck up on people. I snuck up on Jeff. I snuck up on this guy. You know, it's just some young kid comes at you like he doesn't give a shit. And like, you know, the guy's trying to like stare me down and intimidate me. And I'm like giggling. Like, I just don't fucking care. And it's great. And um, I come out. He's a very nice guy, though. But I mean, he tried to he give me the, the Brazilian mad dog. 
And then um, I come out, you know, two, three, two. I end up in southpaw stance. I said, I don't know what I'm doing here. I kick him in the leg. He dives in to take me down, right? So he, he takes me down. We end up in guard. I do the old, like, almost like I've seen Nick Diaz do it, just where you Kimura bail, take the Kimura and use it to stand back up. And then um, do, you, do you know how I ended up on top of him? No. I couldn't find much. There was no video of this fight online. I, I, I don't know how this happened. I ended up on top of him. <laughs> so he, he took me down. Now I'm, now I'm on top of him. And um, this maybe it was that back. hardcore jujitsu, you know, that, that street jujitsu training. Yeah, it, it apparently worked. So I'm, I'm cross eyed <laughs> on him. His head's kind of outside the rope. I don't know. I make a judgment call. I knee him. Like I full on pop up bring my body up and knee him in the head. And I, that was when I thought, damn, I'm going to hurt this. Somebody could get hurt. <laughs> that was the only time I've ever thrown like knees to the head. like oh. intent. So now I've sure. been kneed in the head and knee to the head. And um, so they restart us because uh, I, I take his back and, and he, he like, he's out of the ring and they restart us. And whoever the, the ref was, they literally, like, instead of, like, a full restart, they just slide us, like, a foot back in yeah. and, say, <laughs> and say go. And, like, I don't really know what to do because it almost feels like cheating because he's not, like, <laughs> he's not even, like, defending himself at this point. So I just put the rear naked choke in and he taps out. Wow. That's it was huge. just, like, a weird, like, the referee was kind of, like, I don't know. It was weird. No, yeah, that's, that's not different. that's not usual for them because usually they're going to get the home cook in there, the home field advantage. They're going to restart here or something fully, but well, they, they just dragging just, them back in. I was having a good day, man. If they just stood it starting again, I wouldn't have complained. Yeah, huh. nice. I mean, he, he could always catch you, but I was, you know, I was, I was mm. winning, and I could, you know, I was winning, and I wasn't, you know. For there is there is a long time there in the late nineties when my favorite move was the knee to the head from the side, man. That, yeah. I like that because you usually you land two of them and then they roll over and give their neck up like kind of invited yeah. and choke because there's honor and choking to a tap but not so much to like strike so they kind of roll over after a knee or two like go ahead yeah nice. yeah yeah that it's uh, a crazy technique for like kids today that'll <laughs> never throw that it feels like shit should I be doing this <laughs> yeah you feel guilty later on but with first like oh that works really well you know what I mean yeah. but uh I. Part of me kind of likes it because, like, you know, if you're laying on your ground on, on the ground and you see that knee coming, you gotta you gotta move. You can't sit there and take that. So then it, it makes you open up. You know what I mean? So I kind of uh, like the the old ways where you can do whatever. But there's some there's definitely pros and cons to you take too many of those. You're not gonna have a long career. Yeah. Well, you know, it, I wasn't even targeting like to the temple or anything. You know, I was kind of thinking, can I get him in the temple? But then I was just like, I'll just hit him here. Just make contact damn it you know exactly just hit him somewhere he won't like it yeah so who was managing her at this point because i know eduardo alonso lined that fight up for you yeah yeah shogun's manager who still manages shogun and corners him to this day was he your manager as well uh he wasn't my manager he's just the guy that got me fights did you give him a commission <laughs> uh, i did not i did not so he's just a even better. Dude, I just swing that. It's a good deal. 
No, I was fighting. It was his event. Oh, okay. I was fighting like I would. I was basically like, I'll fight wherever you want. Maybe he was taking a commission. I don't know, but you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I was, he was no. Yeah, he usually, was no Frank Bishop. He was no Frank Bishop. That's for sure. I, I will say, uh, usually when it's their event, that's when they demand a commission. Usually. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, you used to deal with Brad Kohler and stuff. That's you can fight <laughs> on my event, but you're gonna pay me twenty percent. <laughs> yeah. No. So, uh, all right, he, he was a, he was a good guy, man. We yeah, we're an MMA history podcast. Obviously, we're kind of going through memory lane. There is one tournament that we are trying to interview every single person on it. We've got Sonin, we've got Horn. You're our third person in this eight man historic uh, tournament, light heavyweight tournament. Babalu, Shogun, um, yeah. All right, so September 6th, somebody 2000. That was supposed to be the next thing that ended up not being that good. <laughs> so let me let me go through the names. September 6th, 2003, the IFC $50,000 eight-man tournament. Woo! Here's the participants, Babalu, Trevor Prangley, Shogun, Ua, uh, Jeremy Horn, um, Nikhail Arbetistan, Forrest Griffin and Tommy Sauer. I, Chell Sonnen as well. Did I say Chell? And Chell Sonnen. Fuck, I read your name. I And Chell Sonnen. There we Sauer go. Sauer fought somebody else. Sauer fought Sean Gray to be the replacement. That's when Sauer, that is when Sauer guillotined Sean Gray. And then he would have been the replacement had somebody not been able to continue. Okay. And the fighters have pulled off. You've got Paolo Filo, Mike Van Arstel. Dale and Hawaiian Nico Vitale. So even the backups that fell off were, were friggin' studs. And so, then uh, what was his name? Uh, went on to be the champ of Strike Force, knocked out Woodley with that elbow. What's his name? He fought on it. First time I ever saw him. Yeah, I don't know. Miguel? Strike Force uh, champion knocked out Woodley with the elbow. White guy, Christian, real good. Nate Marquette. Nate Marquette. Nate Marquette. Thank you. Yep, that's the guy. He fought in that as well. Yeah. Did he really? Yep. So there's a lot of moving parts. Before we get to your fights, I want to kind of test your memory a little bit. How was the cage? It was a cage? Yeah. <laughs> there, there I don't was that answer, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I don't <laughs> yeah, who, me? <laughs> All right. So <laughs> we, uh, I talked to one of the guys that worked on the cage crew. He actually posted about our show a lot online. He, he goes by Crowbar. Fantastic individual. So in essence, they purchase a cage. Like uh, Paul Smith purchases a cage in California. Brand new. They drive it from California all the way to Colorado from like a real nice, hot, sunny weather to kind of very cold, high altitude. And this brand new cage, all of the boards warped and it hasn't even been used yet. Yeah. So do you remember any bubbles in the cage? Man, you know, I was walking funny in it, but I think that's because I was getting hit so much. Okay, you know? right, let me continue. Like, yeah. So the commission goes, you guys can't use. We need to do an inspection. But you hear, and they got there real late. Like everything was last minute. As they're going through the cage, Paul Smith says, "You know what? The the, the bottom cage bumpers. I'm not real happy that they're white in color. There was an accident. 
the same day he has crowbar spray paint them black and the paint never dries. So when you're watching the, go ahead. No, I remember people with black paint on them. (laughs) What what the hell's going on out here? I remember that now. I totally forgot about that. So you think like, oh, it's just like an old video. You know, it's kind of grainy. You know, maybe this is like a duplicate off a VHS. There's blotches of black paint missing, and it's actually on the fighters' bodies. Yes, that's what was happening. Wow. We couldn't, we couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. Here's, here's another thing about altitude. So when, you, when you're from, like, Athens, Georgia, or Georgia, altitude is not your friend. I think they flew us out on a Wednesday, maybe. Fights on Saturday. I was not. I was not. I was not ready to go. Mm. I was also like, I think that was the first time. Yeah, that was the first time I ever fought at two hundred five. First time. Oh wow! How was that weight cut, man? Was it tough for you? It was. Look, had I been smarter, I would have stopped. Fortunately, I was very stupid at the time, and I didn't know how harmful it was, so I just tried to push through. But, like, my body was shutting down. My back starts hurting. I don't know what's going on, you know. I mean, you're not a wrestler, so you've never had to cut weight in your life. I mean, did anybody prepare you for this? And, obviously, the more you cut weight, the easier it gets. But just trying to just do it the first time has got to be unreal. Rory had cut weight the whole time and Rory was there to corner me and he walked me through okay. it. I think we bought like a Gracie book on weight cutting that had like water taper and stuff which turns out to be the shittiest way to cut weight. <laughs> like the water taper is the dumbest thing like don't fucking water taper people. It's not a real mm-hmm. thing. Yeah and you know I'm trying, like, you know man bro. I bro what did you weigh in at? Huh? What did you weigh in at? No idea. I you weighed it. in at 202 pounds. You overcut by three pounds. Yes! That is what happened. That's what happened. <laughs> yes! 203! 202. 202? I didn't know what I was doing. I was almost dying. Yeah, consider, consider they give a pound cushion, so he actually overcut by like two kilos. Yeah, four pounds. Sorry, Mike, for using the metric system. Yes, That's thank right. you. Oh, God. <laughs> You know, or you your first cut, you Chris. overdo it. Well, he was cutting weight without a scale. <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> oh my God. Wow, man. I mean, that's 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 kind of crazy, man. I mean, you, you had to be dying. You had to be like, I'm never doing this again. Be thinking that I never want to cut here again. I, I, I don't know. I didn't like, I didn't understand what was happening to my body. It was like almost <laughs> surreal. Like, what is going on? You know, but I I was the only thing that kept me going is I kind of kept sweating the whole time. I was like, well, I'm still sweating, so I must be losing weight, you know. (laughs) So, Chris, Chris, we need to start this from the beginning. How at the airport, was there anything a little strange about the people that jumped in the car with you? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, uh, yeah, it was Tim Sylvia. Was he wearing anything? He was wearing his belt. <laughs> he, he made, it was Tim Sylvia. When we got picked up, it was Tim Sylvia. He was wearing his belt. And he made UFC me, championship belt, not like a normal pants belt. Yeah, he was wearing the UFC championship belt. And so I'm fighting. I already feel like 
scrap because I've already started a little trying to weight cut. And it was a long drive from the airport. And I'm sitting behind Tim Sylvia. And Tim Sylvia, he's six foot eight. So he goes all the way back to the chair. Well, bro, I'm six three. <laughs> so and here we are, 90 minutes with like, you know, this is the way to spend your fight week. And he's all the way. And I was like, Tim, you know, could you maybe just give me like a couple inches, you know? Like, yeah. He wasn't the nicest guy that day. I, w- I was also hurting too. Yeah. I was, I was already hurting. That's a bad sign. Like on Wednesday. Oh, yeah. but, 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 was he there with Horn? He would, was he there with Horn? Was Horn in the car too? That's your opponent. It works out. I don't know if Horn was in the car or not. I, I think Horn was on a different flight because Horn was. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. He, I was told Horn was in a different car. Okay. That's cool. So. Your no first opponent. That's that's hey, fantastic. No, so. Time out. No wonder why Tim Sylvia would do me no favors. Yeah, I he's not your friend, guy. buddy. He's yeah. trying yeah. to hurt me. Now <laughs> I get it. It, it never made sense because I've met him he, since then. He was always real nice, but no wonder why he was a dick that day. I was fighting his guy. Yeah, I never put two and two together until that moment. Fight started. Yeah, the fight started at the airport. You know, it just turned, little, turned little out. Things. Turned out the psychological war started that Wednesday. Who the fuck knew? <laughs> put oh, him in a bad shit. mood the whole time. Yeah, this so, is this is crazy. I'm learning stuff about my own life here. This is <laughs> you, you know what, Forrest? We do this twice a week. We get the same reaction from everybody. Like it, 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 they're like, "Wait a minute, what?" <laughs> yeah, we've actually we've got we've got like a whole part of our YouTube channel to MMA conspiracies that we've like uncovered where people are legitimately like mad 15 years later. Oh, Mark <laughs> Coleman's, Mark Coleman's Mark, furious. Right? Coleman <laughs> wants to kill big John McCarthy. He, he really, he wants to fight him. <laughs> he, he, he was texting me just upset, man. Just for, for like days later. Was like, oh, yeah. You know, just, just still mad about it. Dude, I had Hector Lampard texting me for a month afterwards. This isn't sitting well with me. I'm like, Hector, you should do something about it. You can't, you can't let this go. You know, it's from 20 years ago. So, so let's let's move on here. First opponent, person we all might know, Chael Sonnen. Lightest guy in the tournament, weighed in at 197 pounds, I might add. Wow. Okay. All right. He overcut too. Yeah, I'd say. How'd that fight go? Chael Sonnen, um, I think he's the one that started drinking soda after weigh-ins. Like, just started drinking a can of Coca-Cola Classic after weigh-ins. And he there's actually like, some that. logic to it. To get the said that quick sugar, Like, yeah. to get the simple sugars in you. I just thought he was a psychopath. But there's actually, like, some logic to getting the, the sugar in you after a little cut or something. So, yeah. Um, so, I just remember, this is what I remember. I was warming up in the hallway and Chael Sonnen's warming up in the hallway about 50 feet down from me. And you know, this is, this is what year is this, 2003-ish? September 6, 2003. So 2003-ish, like I said, geez. Um, he, he wasn't good at the, the stand-up part of the fighting yet. Didn't have that. <laughs> and my corner wanted me they told me later they wanted me to go down because they didn't want me to see him warm up because he might be like sandbagging the warm up or they didn't want me to be overconfident. Well, it turned out the guy was never going to throw a punch. And um, he ankle picked me, I'd say, 
well, I've never been a glove toucher. So I want to say he came out and ankle picked me like as I started to throw a jab immediately and he just dove into my knee and I went down and pulled him his guard as fast as I could because I was like, oh, yeah, my knee's going to pop. I better get down here. And um, yeah, so that fight didn't last long at all. He starts, he starts hitting me and hitting me and hitting me. And just, you know, like an idiot, he gets more and more comfortable, more and more comfortable. And he starts bringing the arm back a little further, a little further. Triangle. One time he just brings it back too far, triangle him. And uh, he goes, he, he ended up going, I think he tapped, but he also went out cold. Oh. And then, so I go to get up and it's hilarious because his face is just laying on my cup. And I'm just like, oh, that's awkward. That's awkward for everybody. And a uh, good look. Yeah. And, and, and then, so like I went hard on that triangle. And now, so now I'm in the back. Fortunately, it was okay to cheat back then. So now I'm in the back. Again, now it's a tournament. Again. It's an eight man yeah. tournament. So he's got to fight three times that night. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. I know that I'm fighting Horn, I think. And then, so I'm in the back, like rub, rubbing Tiger Bomb on my calf. Um, there were a lot of us there, man. We had the crew. Like, the whole gym was there. Uh, was the arena freezing? It was. Because, I, I, yeah, and I hate, you know, yeah, it was cold. And then, uh, yeah. And they piped cold. in crowd noise, too. It's weird. Yeah, really? Yeah. Well, was yeah. it well attended? Was there a lot of people there? I don't think so. I'm going to say no. No, no. Yeah. and I get to another thing. They airbrushed the center of the cage, like, Why? the morning of. And the fumes, from what I think Chael told us, the fumes were just unbearable. Am I correct when I say yeah. that? Yes. I couldn't breathe the air anyway because it was so the altitude. So I was already breathing on fumes. <laughs> yeah. So Jesus. <laughs> the other thing is it was at the Pepsi Center. And it's huge. Like, it's where you play professional basketball games. It's 50,000-seat arena. They have 2,000 people in there. So that's yeah. why it was like, yeah. Like, look up the location. I'm pretty sure it's where like the Denver Nuggets played. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so Forrest, yeah. in the like the fighter meeting. Okay, I don't know if this is true or not. So you're going to have to either confirm or deny it. It was a misunderstanding that the promoter said it was a fifty thousand take all, and one of the fighters goes, "Wait a minute. What about this part? This part? This part?" And it was almost kind of a mutiny in the locker room. Is that is that true? Like you didn't get paid if you didn't. Yeah, because like they were like, no, it's a fifty thousand take all, and then there was kind of like a renegotiation of contracts in the locker room. I think it was too that every everybody like you had show money for the first fight, but if you went on like, hey, I won one fight, what do I get for yes. my second fight? What do, and that was going to be a freebie until you, you then you're in the finals. So. Kind of a bad situation there. Nobody had worked through. It's the a chill set. Yes. So that yeah, that's true. Here's the thing that didn't really seem to matter for me and Chael. Yeah. Well, you you know, uh, Forrest, in our interview with Chael, like he was like one of our first big interviews. Chris and Miguel told me, do your research and don't stop until like he hangs up on the interview with us. Like we were given <laughs> a thirty minute window. We took 90 minutes and he had a prop in his hand pretending like he had to take a phone call at like 90 minutes and then he hung up on us. <laughs> awesome. That was good. We knew it was going to happen. So, but. Either way, 
Your second round, and you get chilled. You get him in the uh, triangle. Jeremy Horn is your next opponent. Jeremy Horn at this time, I think his biggest asset is able to stay calm under pressure so and good. Just breathe. Yeah. So good. You know, and I, I'm a Jeremy Horn fan. And I, I knew Jeremy Horn going – I knew all these guys going into it, you know. And then, um, yeah, man, I tell you what, we had – it was a great fight, right? And, Phenomenal. Uh, I thought you were winning too. I, so did I. Until you I even pulled guard at one point because your stand-up was so intense. Yeah. Well, you know, he was clipping me too, but he, I read an article he wrote or he, an interview and he, he defined the perfect way to throw a head kick. And he said, you know, he hadn't been kicking all fight. I'd been kicking him in the leg, but he hadn't really been kicking much. The only head kick he threw was the one that knocked me out. And oh. I remember that's, the, that, that's genius though, right? And so I remember thinking, I think it was the start of round two. Was it the start of round two? Yeah. So about midway, about a minute and a half in. Yeah. I remember thinking, like, I've got this. I, it, I, I just remember thinking, I'm on. If I can just land this big right hand and make him feel my power. And I'm walking towards him like an idiot, like cocking my right hand. And, um, yeah, that's the last thing I remember. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Did your check clear? Because the IFC had some financial yeah, issues no, as well. My, my check absolutely cleared. And okay. um, great story I mean, there. Great stoppage by the referee. So I, my face was all damaged up. Um, and that was all from when he mounted me and hit me three or four times. And then I got up and I asked the ref, like, would you fucking stop the fight for, man? And uh, he was like, bro, look. And then, then I looked up and I said, why didn't you stop the fight sooner, man? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you, you know? hey, so, I mean, man, $50,000 had to be a huge, like, oh, my God, this is it. You know what I mean? This looking forward to that had to be a huge, like, possibility. In a, in a, I mean, that had to be it for you at the time. Oh. I mean, how disappointed were you to not hit that $50,000 mark? I wasn't that. I thought well. I, I I did pretty good. I um I was a uh, teacher's assistant basically at that time. Okay. Um, and then um I remember I had the seventy five hundred bucks. I paid my coaches ten percent. Um, paid a couple outstanding bills, and then um I waited till like the semester ended and I just quit my job. So. 7,500 bucks was a lot at that time. And this yeah. was when I didn't make enough to pay taxes. So thank goodness. Yeah. I'm just saying like 50,000 me back then would have almost been life changing. Like I can actually do this all the time. You know what I mean? So that'd have been a huge thing, but you just, you just kept grinding, man. Forget. Okay. I got 75. I'm going to keep grinding. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. I got, I got a couple of nerdy questions. We had, we had a, we were talking about Chael, and, and you were on the receiving end of it, and you, you referred to it. He looks fantastic with the ground and pound because he has great posture, and he swings from way back, and it looks like he's hitting you very hard. Is that Does he hit you very hard, or were you, is it more showy? Um, I think it was hitting me pretty decent. Okay. I think, I, I don't recall. It's, okay. it's like That's that was 15 years ago. Who hit you the hardest? I'm not 100% on that night because of Jeremy Horn. <laughs> that, yeah. that kick to the neck. 
That that was really hard. So I don't know. Oh. So the person that's probably hit me the hardest that, I mean, people have hit me hard, but I can't tell you, I wasn't there that I know of, you know, um, uh, probably Vanderlei Silva was the guy that's hit me the hardest and like not knocked me out or caused <laughs> me to lose consciousness. So let me, let me just kind of wrap up this, this, this tournament, just so like, we always talk about like amazing stories in MMA. That's what this podcast is all about. This tournament, it's known as like the greatest light heavyweight tournament on U.S. soil. But like if there's like a Netflix special that needs to be made, it should be about this event. The ring announcer Jeff Weller and referee Josh Rosenthal worked that event, later took federal time for a $6 million weed bust. The <laughs> broadcast booth consisted of Ryan Bennett, Big Papa Schnacky, both who have passed away since then, and Jens Pulver, Schnacky, obviously yeah. a legend in the sport. Yeah, no, that... So, and my understanding is that was like a couple months after the Pride Grand Prix or right before, or right after. So it kind of got overshadowed by the Pride Grand Prix, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck, amazing, amazing event. So we're going to move on to December 18, 2003. You fly back to Brazil for Heat, F Heat FC, and it's, it is kind of advertised as a revenge bout because you've with Ebenezer Braga, and they put you in against Edson Pardow. Yeah. The Wall. That was his nickname. The Wall from Nova Greco Arriba. That dude hit hard. That dude hit hard. Um, so, man, you know, you kind of, like, reach down for those kicks sometimes. I tried to catch a kick kind of the wrong way, and it ended ends up flipping me on the forearm and I'm sure you've seen like from Ultimate Fighter where I'm like sitting back my forearm's broken they're like what's that and it broke my forearm oh you know? man one of the and opening one of the opening exchanges now yeah. did you know it was broke then or did you know it hurt this is the great part I didn't know what happened it just felt like I got shot and then I caught him with a nice hard jab and then I kind of felt mine go wah, 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 wah. and I was like oh <laughs> that's not good and then, like, um, at one point, uh, it's a pretty, like, shitty fight. Like, it's, like... It's interesting, though. Yeah. It's not very skillful on my part. Maybe it's because I was distracted by the broken arm. But, like, sense. I, I throw, a, like, the hardest leg kick I can. I kick him. He goes, okay. Rochambeau's me back. Throws the hardest leg kick he can. <laughs> I dive down. I push him down. And I'm starting to like try to like you know hammer fist or whatever from guard, and that dude hits me from the bottom and it hurt. Like, wow! I'm shook. I'm like, whoa! And then he is so strong. He grabs my broken hand and starts to like push it for a triangle, and I'm like, oh my god! He's gonna like destroy what's left of my arm. So I just got up. <laughs> I was like, ah, so I just get up for no reason. And then, um, and then, you know, it's, it's both of us, like, we just kind of stand there and try to throw some baseballs at him. He goes down. I think you're muted again. You're muted. We can't hear you. We can't hear you. We can't hear you. Can't hear you. That's weird. It just does that every now and again. 
Yeah. So go ahead. Last so, time we heard it was, uh, you could start throwing some baseballs at each other. Yeah, we're just we're just throwing hammers at each other. Um, and I end up clipping him. He he goes down. And he kind of like falls awkwardly, and I just clip him a couple more times. And I think you know that was it. Um, well, well, there's a yeah, couple it was, things. It was, it was a weird one. There's a couple things. Like you hit him with like a, like almost like a short right hand because your your left obviously is broken, and he reacts really bad to it. Like it's almost as if he for somehow hit a cardio wall, took a stiff punch, and it was almost like he needed to get out of there. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I don't remember, but it was awkward because he was like moving, you know, it, it, how long into the fight was that? Like it wasn't that long, but he was, <laughs> it was in the first round, but it, it was almost like he redlined, well, you know, no, worked his body. It was, a, it was a 10 minute first round. Uh... Okay, but let, let's kind of reverse a little bit because we're missing probably the best parts of this fight that we're not talking about. So they, they bring Forrest Griffin in as the American. He's going to you know, represent the United States and Brazil. Forrest, tell us your pre-fight speech honoring us Americans, please. What, no, what did I say? No idea. You said that you're here to represent all of the fat, overstuffed Americans. <laughs> I'm here to represent all the fat, stuffed, overconsuming American scum. Yeah, hey, scum. Hey. Yeah, shit on his own country in Brazil. Hey, yeah, he's right yeah, there. I, 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 I'm with him. Actually, you know, Chris, Chris right. is on. Chris I'm is from America, where we know how to consume and consume some more. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, he dedicated it to me. I think that was personal. Thank you. Well, then for us, Americans. Here's the thing. So you got to remember, everyone's going to be booing. He's, you know, obviously an American in Brazil. Forrest comes out with a Christmas hat on and a bag, like a Christmas bag full of, like, stuff that he's throwing in the audience. What was it, like, T-shirts? What was it? I'm throwing T-shirts to the audience. Was that it, like, was your throwing... gym or yourself T-shirts? Uh, no, it, they were, like, event T-shirts. Uh, what's his name? You just said his name. Uh, Shogun's manager, uh, Eduardo. That Eduardo. Was our... Eduardo, that was his idea. And he knows, like, I'm the one guy dumb enough to do it right before a fight. <laughs> so I'm like, sure. Another great story. When I fought even Ebenezer Braga, I, I, I'm I, talking to the DJ, what song do you want to come out to? I said, you know, I was really into, like, Outcast, um, Bombs Over Baghdad. Oh, great song. Well, got lost in translation. I come out to Sally, that girl. <laughs> a little different it's a little different and i'm just like what? what this is like cool mode song or something what's going on here yeah well hey man that throws you off when you're getting ready to fight your song doesn't come on you're like is this me what's going on here man that's about my song yeah could have been it's raining man it's like do i go back if i the wrong song yeah i'll come back God. But, but Chris, the key kids today will never be able to relate to this. No, no. So. I, I got a question for you. How was you? You broke your arm. How was the hospital in Brazil? Uh, is he frozen? Oh, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm sorry. Okay, good. No, no, um, good. He's flashing back. <laughs> no, my, my wife's just telling me we have to go pick up our daughter. Okay. Wait. Um. No. Uh, it was not good. That's a great story. Um, 
Eduardo, the man. So I wait till after the event. I'm drinking a beer. We eat dinner after, like, they have a big team dinner with all the fighters. So after we go to the hospital, and I'm, but I'm not, I'm, I'm in pain by now. Like, it's starting to set in. It's been a couple hours. Um, and Eduardo's stud, man. It was really cool to him. He took me personally to the hospital. So, like, oh, that'd be like an event for motor taking the emergency room. And then um, the, it, it's full. And there's people sitting on the walls. So I go, I see one open seat, and I'm not doing well. I want to. I go over to sit down on it. It's open because there's vomit in it. Somebody's vomiting in that seat, and there's people on the other side. So they take me in to a guy that looks like he is uh, a brick mason, and he, he, he like he just slapped something on me, bro. And then, then an Indian doctor, like from India, comes in, puts the sling on, and tells me I have this, that, and the other. And you know, this is my uh my almost broken you know and i was like oh, okay you know he's like i almost bro <laughs> yeah you're you're almost broken it's pretty bad but you're you're all right because your radius is still fully intact so it should be all right so you get home i was like all right cool um but yeah and, and then one more thing on the way out of brazil so i have what looks like a very makeshift cast so this little dude at airport security he doesn't believe that what i have is a cast he thinks i'm <laughs> smuggling drugs and he goes over and he grabs the cast with my broken arm and starts squeezing on it and examining it. And bro, I grabbed him. I just grabbed him off of me instinctively by the throat. And then I panicked because I just grabbed the police officer by his throat. But yeah. <laughs> well, on the wow. plus side too, you're in Brazil now. So I don't think it's a big deal about not getting the pain pills like in uh, South, yeah, South Africa. Probably, like, yeah. you probably got plenty of pills, steroids, whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, Brazil right, so, 2000, whatever, yeah. Of course, you have to take you off go. now, you got to get out of here. Wait, wait, can we just close with one thing? I mean, if you've got time, yeah. Stefan Bonner, we've had him on twice. We talked about his entire career through him. You guys did an appearance in British Columbia together. Oh, geez. Oh, How God. did he get you back to your hotel room? Man, I mean, I'm guessing he carried me. Um, <laughs> bro, that's, that's, that's such a rough one. That's embarrassing, yeah. <laughs> So we are, man. Yeah, that was that, that was not my finest moment. Um, <laughs> and then they also intentionally, the promoter didn't like the, so he got us like a five a.m. flight, whatever. Um, so we are doing stand up comedy. I do nice. not do. I don't do stand up comedy. It's not a thing I do. I mm -hmm. talk to people, but I don't do comedy. So uh, they have really good wine. I'm a wine guy. They have good wine. So I get hammered. And this beautiful waitress, she really wants me to drink the wine. So I keep drinking the wine. I'm on stage, whatever. And, uh, you know, I just got sick. What, what did Stefan say about it? I he said, yeah, I mean, Forrest, I've got to be very direct with you. What happens is I contact people that know people personally. A lot of times they say, no, you need to be surprised by this. This is your take. They're turning your pockets inside out with this question. He refused to answer and said he'd come on if you didn't answer it honestly. <laughs> I mean, I think that's what happened. I remember, okay. I remember throwing up in Stefan's bath. Like I just got naked, got in the bathtub, turned turned like the shower on, and just threw up and tried to drink tap water. <laughs> I, just, I just laid in the bed for like you know an hour, and then we went and got on the airport and ate McDonald's and got on the airport, uh, and I slept on the plane. Wasn't that bad? Hey, man. Yeah, no one got hurt. Expiring with Gilbert Evel, how intense was that? Oh, man. 
so Gilbert, um, so, you know, I, I went at him pretty hard and I realized he was good. And the thing is, I was, first of all, he's actually a pretty nice guy, but I was basically like, look, dude, if you drop me to the body, cool. If you drop me to the head, I'm not going to work with you anymore. And he was out of people that would give him work. So basically, <laughs> nobody else would work with him in Vegas. So basically, like, you know, Sean, Sean, uh, what's his name, wasn't around yet. Sean um, Tompkins. No, Sean, uh, that just fought last night and won. Oh, uh, Strickland. Oh, oh, Strickland. Sean, uh, Strickland. 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 Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so basically, he was like a pretty decent sparring partner with me after the initial, because I was like, dude, if you drop me to the head, I'm not going to work with you. You know I'm good work, so just try to drop me to the liver. Okay, we know you got to go. This guy also hit a 20-minute sparring session with Wanderlei Silva without any intermissions, and he also sparred with a almost like a fist fight with Vitor Belfort. Wait, who is this? I was told you fought Vitor Belfort in the gym, and you fought Wanderlei Silva as well on two different occasions. No, me and Vanderlei Silva sparring also fighting. Um, but what, the thing about Vanderlei is, no, we, we weren't like, or not Vanderlei, uh, uh, Peter. Vitor, v Vitor. Um, so he clipped me. So neither of us are great wrestlers. It's big glove day. He shoots to take me down against the, the fence. <clears throat> he can't take me down. So he starts to back up to the center. I just walk to him like an idiot, like not really defending myself, like thinking he'll re-engage. He stops. A, uh, a step before I think he's going to stop and bang, bang. He lands like a, he lands like a lead right hook, rear left uppercut, and I'm hurt. And he might remember it differently, but I'm hurt. I had to be visibly hurt. He comes to finish me. You know, and I'm like, whoa, bro, bro. So I just hug him for like a minute and it's over. And, and then like the next week, he's like, hey, let's work again. I'm like, give me, give me you rang my bell last time. We're gonna give you a minute here, brother. Like, you, you, give me a couple weeks before we go again. Yeah. No, but he was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe it didn't look as bad. Like, you know, what I'm saying, like, I don't know, Chris, have you ever been hurt where it doesn't look as bad? And maybe I looked like I was okay, but I was like, not okay. Of, or yeah, I, I, not think, okay. I think. I think you have an ability like myself. I've been rocked in the gym, and uh, I noticed one thing. What, looking at fights later, I got a pretty good poker face, and like, yeah. I feel a lot worse than I look. Like when I'm looking, yeah. I'm like, man, I wasn't doing good. I watched, like, it didn't look that bad. So I think you probably had that ability to make it look like, eh, it's not that bad. But like when you feel like you're all over, like you're falling, and you watch it, it's not as bad. Maybe that's what happened. Yeah, we'll we've concluded the before <laughs> the UFC interview with Forrest Griffin. Forrest, man, we appreciate your time. You gave us way more than we expected. Thank Absolutely. You, Thank Thanks, you so brother. much, man. No, I, I love those stories you've been giving you us. People ain't going to hear that stuff. Thank you guys for knowing more about my life than I do. Um, <laughs> no kidding. You've helped me fit. You, you've helped me uh, put some pieces in. Yeah. <laughs> well, now you got new stories to tell about yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. well, thank you very go much. Go pick up your little girl, man. Yeah. All right. Be good. Okay, Thank you, guys. Later. Well, Mike, another one in the books. Forrest Griffin, we delivered another one, man. We, you know, I think we got another satisfied customer. I think he was happy to, you know, once he got into the flow, I think I think we got him. I think he's a fan. Yes. So he uh, 
he's not an easy guy to track down because everybody's pulling at him. You know what I mean? Everybody is, even though it's years since his last fight. And, um, you know, we kind of let him know hey, this is going to be a long one. It's kind of like when we bring these interviews to the people, they always say, what kind of time constraints? We always ask, what do you have available? And then we always go over it. With force, we were direct. You know, we, we, we just, you know, we were very honest with them. <laughs> so. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think in the interview, you know, when we're, we're talking about, like, you know, early days and stuff like that, it's like, what was the way to, I don't know, because I didn't care, you know, what you get paid, uh, you know, I really didn't care, you know, that the kind of free-spirited, happy-go-lucky Forrest that everybody loves, that's what makes them hard to tie down for these interviews, so with the feather in our cap. And yeah, I think, big, I think he, want, he, he he'll come back at some point. I don't know. Yeah, yes. It may take him a little bit, but, you know, maybe yeah. he won't. But I think he liked it. I think No, he, he, he shot me a text uh, stating that, man, he really enjoyed it. Jeremy Stevens did the same. So, uh, you know, I, I, we're hitting on all cylinders right here. You know, we, we have a talk show, I guess. It's just done via Zoom and uh, phenomenal guest. And then on top of that, uh, Frank Bishop really helped us out. Like he really helped connect the dots on this. And we can't thank them enough. So when you got guys like Frank Bishop connecting dots, you got guys like Crowbar who are posting, you know, about our stuff on various social media forums. And then we got a guy, Genghis Conrad, that's doing the times so we can do the chapters. Um, you know, none of us are getting paid for this. So it's, um, you know, it's nice. It's nice that we've kind of got our own little community. And if we had somebody for social media, it would be phenomenal. But, um, yeah, we got our own like, nice little community now. Yeah, but being you know, Forrest, I think uh, we'll go down as a landmark. I was thinking about this. Who is more famous, him or Chael? You know, I mean, if you, you, you know, you on that short list of fights that we talk about, you got to put Chael Anderson in there. You know what I mean? It's like, man, there are some, you know, those are probably the two biggest stars we've gotten. I'm not putting anyone down. We've had champions on. We've had guys with longer careers and things like that. But that tough season one victory for Forrest made him kind of a household name and stuff. And it's one of the things that we talk about. And Chael kind of forced himself into that household name, you know, during his heyday, too. So very interesting comparison. We only hit his pre-UFC career. We went, what, two hours, ten minutes, roughly. And the next part of his journey is the tough house where he obviously gets to the finals but then has to wait five months with no fights and no income until he can get paid <laughs> to fight Bonner in the finals. So we went through that line of questioning with Stefan and he brought us through it about how difficult it was about having to pay to get into his own uh, parties, like at, at bars and stuff like that. And, you know, part two, we're going to have that same line of questioning with Forrest Griffin and, um, you know, the one thing I really enjoyed, too, is when we get to reference other interviews that we did in the past. And we were able to do that quite a bit in this one based on the common opponents of the people that we had interviewed. Yeah, and I like it. You know, obviously, you, the historic fight, him and Bonner. Now we've got both, you know, bookends on that fight, both guys. Um, okay. Not yet. Not yet. We got to get there. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But I think I think the foot's in the door, you know. So, right. I, oh. like, I'm at, and I'm happy. I like complete. We got a lot of loose ends, ends like that, things that we got to get back and start completing. So, 
a lot to do busy times i'm glad that's a good thing that's right no no for sure and and you know like the more of these we do the better it is and our audience keeps growing which is you know something awesome to you know experience as you know both you and i are, are watching on a daily basis we're looking at the numbers and I mean, we don't have a, a, a significant audience, but the audience we have is very loyal and it's, it's important to us, you know, to, that somebody's at least listening to this, you know? Yeah, it's good. And I think, I think it's going to, it's going to be something that that's there forever. And I think, you know, down the line, people will get more and sink their teeth into it and stuff when they realize what's going on there. Cause there's a treasure yeah. trove already out there. And yeah. We we're almost a hundred interviews in and every single one follows the same format with the same like investigative process that all three of us kind of, you know, put into the mix. So yeah, we're, we're doing good stuff. Very, very happy. You know, maybe one day um, we'll, we'll make a hundred dollars off YouTube. Yeah. We got, we got, we're good enough to get Forrest Griffin's attention. That's more than most people would say. Thank right. you very much, Forrest. <laughs> and, uh, we're out of here. Next one. Wait, wait, coming hey, up April, on hundred. April 8th. Bourbon Street, 115 Bourbon Street, south side of Chicago. I'm doing color commentary there. And then April 16th, I am in uh, Orlando, Florida for Abu Dhabi Jiu-Jitsu Pro. I'm hosting a Jiu-Jitsu tournament, so please come and register on Smooth Comp. Uh, friend of the show, Carlos Diaz, is going to be refereeing. Uh, head ADCC ref, even though that's a completely di different company. So... Um, yeah, guys, please say hello. Yeah, we'll be I'll be back in Florida, Minnesota, and Chicago all April. So Forrest Griffin is in the books. Check out the full interview on iTunes, Spotify, and all major podcast platforms.